friends. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies to Watery Desho. This is Stream of Thought, the final episode. Well, for, for Wonder Egg Priority, I was going to say it might not be. Nope. There's more to come, but the television <laughs> but the television season uh, of Wonder Egg for winter 2021 is over, and we are here as a group to uh, dissect uh the details to to comb through the wreckage to pick through the rubble and see what nuggets we can find uh and we're going to share that with you all i am the subtle doctor uh along for the ride on this bad anime podcast as usual is uh my friend your friend our old buddy uh manchester's manliest chester uh the most marvelous one shadon Good evening, everyone. Hope you're all doing well. Very happy Easter. Very happy Friday. Happy World Awesome Awareness Day. Everyone, hope you're all doing really well. Oh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. Holy shit. Oh, God. Yep, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. But uh, thankfully, we have, of course, with us um, one of our most favoritest guests. Uh, I think that she... And in fact, I, I know that she is now i think our most repeated most often had guests congratulations you have that championship belt i think you and alexander are oh, wow. competing for it uh but i think you're in the top spot now she does it two uh, more it times is, she gets uh, a free coffee nice. we need to get a little of those little cards <laughs> punch card yeah yeah um it is a esport aficionado uh floral linguist <laughs> anime blogger extraordinaire emily rand Woo. hello emily <sighs> um, you were getting compliments uh, on your t-shirt in chat. Um. <laughs> yeah, Hannibal t-shirt. Uh, it's by a fan artist that I really like. I like all of their stuff, but um, yeah, I decided to support them. So you can check them out. I, I believe it's at woods underscore JPEG. If you just search it, it'll come. I'm terrible at like advertising other people's nice. stuff, but they're really great. No, so it's great. Check it's out great. Their stuff. Yeah, and uh, like other here. things that that look great uh, some of the time are anime. Wonder Egg in particular. I'd... Yeah, we're going there already, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> well, are we starting? Okay, out there? okay. Do we? Should we have like a like a pre-show banter to? To warm us up before we uh, I'm raise before my we get into before we get into the the wonder egg. I feel I feel like that that actually could be a good idea because we can just get all of the production stuff like out of the way as yeah. like a, oh, by the way, all right then. Um, and maybe yeah. I'm just I'm just right. gonna go. Well, that's gonna very go, important. I'm gonna go right in and just say uh, no show is <laughs> worth putting someone in the hospital for. <laughs> I feel like that's all I really no. could end up saying or should end up saying because everything else is boot at this point. Uh, one of the producers, I don't remember his name offhand, and this he actually tweeted that he had been to the hospital twice, I think, following or during the production of episode 12, uh, saying something to the effect of, um, I'm really glad I have something more important in my life. This tweet was then deleted, uh, but was then reshared. I believe that um, Anime Empress, one of uh, Brykaiser's yeah. colleagues on Twitter, has reshared it from an archive before it did get deleted. And yeah. Wonder Egg has been beset for, for with production problems for it has most, if not all, of the its run. Um, 
which is not acceptable under any circumstances, and it's especially not acceptable when, as I say, it's literally causing actual hospitalization <laughs> of its staff. Jesus Christ. It it almost made me want to just simply say, like, I don't care about whatever happens in the rest of these two episodes. It's not worth it, because someone's actually yeah. been hurt as a result of this. It's a joke. And I can't believe that a show like this, which is about or covering systemic exploitation of some sort, is in turn then allowing ongoing systemic exploitation of the people creating it. Kind of undercuts and makes it feel a little hollow, you know what I mean? Maybe that's unfair of me to say, but... Jesus Christ. No. it's not, I don't think it's unfair. I mean, I mean... I'm glad all this, of course, is being reported on for Wonder Egg, but, like, I mean, this is just a systemic problem with the industry. It's, mm-hmm. you know... I mean the 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 poor individual, the producer. I think it was. Um, I think this is the second time this that they've been hospitalized. This most recent time, and uh, I think that they were in the hospital for like five hours on a drip, mm-hmm. and then came, went back to the studio. Um, and it's just like a like a culture that like you know either explicitly or implicitly like pushes its employees it's labor to do that i mean it's just it's it's really uh horrific and this is not pre-show banter but but it is something that like emily's right that we should it's not banter but we should we should uh get it out of the not get it out of the way but we should discuss it before we um Um, get into like the show itself I'll say one thing about Wonder Egg specifically, and this has been covered extensively at uh, Asakuga Blog, so you should definitely check out uh, all their stuff on it because I'm going to be paraphrasing a lot um, from what Kevin has said on Twitter and also uh, what they've written about on their blog. But Wonder Egg is a little bit different than other cases in the anime industry, so that's not to say that it's not incredibly toxic and, and profiting off of the fact that so many people are freelancers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but uh, Wonder Egg specifically is a sort of outlier only because, and, and like a kind of a really sad one, because you have this really crack team that is very small um, and has like a very specific vision that they want to execute and is very stubbornly insistent that they're going to stick to this team which is not a bad thing but um ends up that they did not budget their their time and resources uh well and and underestimated how much this was going to be able to take and honestly like the show itself uh as, as someone who is like sort of on the periphery of of the whole sakuga community like pay attention sometimes don't pay attention Mm -hmm. other times really use people in that community as my resource because it's not a visual language that i'm as familiar with um i can't recognize cuts you know etc etc a lot of the time um but it seems like this is something that to me and my eye, I did not notice a visible dip, like a really visible dip until the oh past, boy, like, this few episodes. And even then only episode 12, I would say is mm-hmm. the, is the, is the, is like the, the definitely the one where yeah. you can see the toll. You can see that this was finished hours before broadcast. Um, 
And to me, the most egregious thing outside of everything people have already said about, hey, like, this is incredibly unhealthy and toxic, is also the way that the, I don't know if this came from the production committee or a head or, or someone that was not part of the animation team, but like the way that information was relayed about what was going mm-hmm. to happen, right? So they had to take the recap episode because they weren't going to get done on time. Um, and it was labeled as right. episode eight instead of, you know, like 7.5 or however you typically label um, an intermediary episode where you are kind of rushing it in because you need time. Because uh, we've had rebroadcasts or like later broadcasts before, right? Where we have had issues, have had production issues, and it's been communicated and it's broadcast later, like Wonder Egg is going to have their finale, their actual finale, proper finale in June, at the end of June. Um, Because presumably that's the next time they could find Mm -hmm. that they could actually air it because a lot of it has to do with like airtime scheduling, right? Um, But with Wonder Egg, they didn't, Mm -hmm. they labeled it as eight. So we didn't know until, like there were rumors, people were like, yeah, there's going to be another episode. It's going to come at a later time. There were a lot of rumors, but that wasn't confirmed until after episode 12 aired. So, like, (laughs) it's pretty nuts. And, like, I I have my own opinions on Mm, the content of episode 12 and why it wouldn't be necessarily awful to end there in terms of emotional narrative. But putting all that aside, the communication was shit. (laughs) And, like, like, it seems like a very bad attempt to Mm -hmm. cover up, like, incredible structural problems with planning yep. for this anime that specific uh, thing so you on top of that the 12. messaging was terrible i mean i need to clarify here like there are times when i criticize a work for having bad animation and there are times when i criticize work for having bad animation that is clearly more of a like where it's a strain on the actual talent because being no mistake the people making wonder egg are incredibly talented i think the show overall looks phenomenal and in an ideal world mm-hmm. it would have been produced in such an environment with necessary support resources and time scale so well it didn't literally put people in the hospital um but there was one scene that really highlighted it, it was in episode 12 and you have all four of the girls on this like park hill and you've got this zoom in shot and it goes like this all the way in while they're talking and it gets to the point where at the end of the zoom it is pixelated it's like it's like if you zoom in on something that you screenshot and put in paint uh you know and it just gets all pixelated i was like that's very clearly you know a seam in all of this and here's the thing right that is arguably bad animation but i'm not going to criticize the show for that in the sense of the people on the show didn't know what they were doing but rather, I'm going to criticize it in that they knew what they were doing and just simply weren't given the support, time, etc. necessary to make it happen. This isn't Exxon, for crying out loud, thankfully. <laughs> this isn't that, uh, where they just had no idea at all what they were doing. Um, but yeah, like that scene alone just really highlights me that this was, as Emily Wright pointed out, finished hours before it came out. It was, it was literally hot off the press. And it's not, it's not acceptable for this to That's happen. That's wild. It's That's literally going to kill someone. Yeah. And I mean, like, do you, do you guys think this is, of course, secondary to, like, the health concerns uh, of the staff? But, like, do, do you think that the, um, like, the story uh, has has suffered because of the schedule? Do you think it's, like, 
oh my gosh, like it's so obvious that they're just like flying by the seat of their pants here and they haven't really uh, planned out or maybe they had these ambitions and like have realized that like they can't do them. So they're having to rework everything. Like, do you buy into that line of thinking? Um, I mean, I think it actually Hmm. depends on what the proper finale is going to be. Like I said, I think there's actually a really good argument for the fact that the episode 12, which we're going to talk about, is the narrative conclusion of Ioto's, like, uh, emotional Mm -hmm. narrative. Like, the you know, Um, there's a really big argument for that. Um, So, in terms of, like, whether this was what they meant to do, I don't know. Would it have been the end of the world if it ended mm. here? I actually don't <laughs> think so, which I think is a very unpopular, unpopular opinion right now. Um, but like, I, I don't, I don't think it would have been the end of the world. I think you could make an argument for it. this is the conclusion of her emotional narrative, and now you have to unpack like what that means, and you know, in relation to the rest of the show, and mm. maybe you won't like a lot of the answers there. I don't like some of them, but um, you know, it, it's a uh, I, I don't think it, it's as bad as like people are making it out to be in terms of the narrative conclusion if you're only paying attention to like her emotional narrative. Now, in terms of all the other stuff the show is doing and what it seems like they were trying to do, no, I don't think it was a particularly good conclusion. And I don't think um, it, it definitely seems like they had to change certain things Uh probably depart a little bit from what they wanted to do uh in order to like wrap it up in a way that Mm -hmm. isn't terrible to think about and also has something looking forward to the future but that also gets into what you're explaining versus what you're not which is like i I have a whole rant about that for for later since we're doing the last two episodes Uh, so um i'll I'll just say that for now i'll just add that we can move on because the way the story is structured is that like if this is indeed as doc says an issue where they've kind of scripted things by the seat of their pants um it i I don't not necessarily what i think no, I, I Which don't. Which is, that's, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think that's Does, the case yeah. at all. Yeah. I think they I just did am, have to I'm change things. Putting this I out there as like a theory to respond. Yeah, I, I think that if that were the case, then it wouldn't make any sense only because the story has only gone more complex. I mean, the addition of Frill and everything that yeah. revolves around her is an additional layer of complexity. Whereas if, if you were wanting to like try and, you know, script your way out right. of production issues, you try and simplify it dramatically. Whereas this is yeah. a, a layer of complexity. Um, Frill, Frill is a good episode eleven for a like a twenty five episode show. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but twelve I, episode show. But I I do have to say as well, like there are very clearly things that will not be wrapped up that should have been, or things that have been dropped or omitted, like um, or have not been fleshed out of. One of which I can think immediately of is Nehru. Um, like she, oh man, her, she's her, like. She, her, what happened with her and her uh, guardian uh, animal, which I can't remember what the name of the snake was, but you know which one I'm referring to. It might have been Pinky, I'm yeah. not sure. Um, it was Pinky. Oh, hey, I got it right. Maybe my memory's you not You got so it, yeah. Nice one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, we don't know what, we don't even see what happened with her. Uh, her narrative arc, like, she had a thing going on with her sister, so that's the thing I'm referring to here. I don't know what the hell's happened with that, if anything at all, in the finale next step, next time we come back in June. Um Momoe's relationship to Sawaki, him being her uncle, that was mm-hmm. dropped, and that's that plays no part in the resolution of Ai's 
character conflict. And maybe it shouldn't have done, in which case my argument would be don't make them relate at all if it doesn't have any, like, meaningful value to what goes on. Like, all that happens is they bring it was like, no, he's not a bad person. And I get that that kind of ties into what is revealed in episode 12 a little bit, but it just feels very perfunctory. Um, so yeah, like, I, I do agree with Emily that there are things that I think that this show was basically begging for a double-length run. I think it needed a full 24 episodes, I would argue, to cover everything it wanted to do. In, and it, it could have easily filled that time out, like, with some actual, like, substantive stuff, but we didn't get that. We got, uh, you know, yeah. this instead. Well, I, I, you know, and I didn't even feel as strongly about that take until very pretty recently, but I think... I mean, it just I can't help but sit here today and say that feels right. But but before we like really like get stuck in to to the the episode, uh, we do have uh, a plot summary. Oh uh, the the two the plot summary in under two minutes to get to. <laughs> we have to talk about. We have to. <laughs> we have to do our small part in like shouting out uh, creatives. Oh yeah. uh, that we haven't talked about, um, and. Also, I think it would be good, knowing how our conversations go, for us to like at the b- before we get into specific points and patron questions to each give a very quick blurb in terms of how we feel about these episodes in a very broad sense. So let's tackle those things one at a time. Um, let's first do uh, creatives, I think, and then we'll we'll do the plot summary. So. There's only one uh, creative that uh, we have not talked about yet because um, the uh, episode director for episode 12, uh, Yuki Yunamori, uh, we already talked about because they directed episode 3. So uh, we're going to be speaking about uh, Noriko Takao, who Mm -hmm. directed and storyboarded episode 11 of this show she did. And uh, you may remember Miss Takao Shadon. This is oh, a person no. that you said you owe a, you owe a yes! pint to. No, no, no. You've you've said you'd uh, you owed a pint to this lady because uh her uh exemplary directorial and storyboarding work <laughs> on Darling in the Franks episode five. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like it was yeah. like the good episode. No, that, she, she... Like the one of the bright spots. Why, so why is everyone every time I'm here, darling in the Franks? I know. Um, another another show. With I, I mean, she also did the episode. James Beckett on shouts Tim, where Hero mm-hmm. got punched, and that was directed by her as well. Uh, so <laughs> An she, ultimate one. So she yeah. was she was responsible for bringing us that moment of glory and catharsis. So I think I'd best uh, put another notch oh. on the list for another pint at this point. Might as well buy her a whole cask at this rate. Indeed, indeed. So uh, she's a familiar name, I think, to people interested in Kyoto animation because um, she's worked at like a lot of the um, the early KyoAni works that people know, like um, the Full Metal Panic stuff that they did, um, which I would believe was like the, the second raid and Fumufu. I can't remember how to pronounce Fumofu, I think it's called. But uh but she was a key animator uh on FMP. Uh and she worked on a bunch of Haruhi, uh storyboarding and animating the TV and the movie stuff. Um worked on K on one and two, 
an uh, episode directorial and storyboarding role, as well as some key animation. Um, and then we talked about, you know, the other the other stuff, the Darling and the Frank stuff. And I, maybe I think, I actually don't know if this is Kyoani off the top of my head. Uh, Clonad, did they do Clonad and Clonad F Story, or, or was that another studio? Okay, okay. So she's she's there too. Um on, uh the first season and after story playing prominent role. So um a veteran uh with uh some really exemplary work under her belt also lent her talents to this episode, the frill episode of Wonder Egg Priority. Uh so now, Shadon, the time has come. Oh, uh, before the time's upon us. before you get inside, I want to just add one thing to your talk about creative sin. I think he's going oh, go to see, which is as much as I like came out of the gate there with a bit of fire and brimstone about this show's production and how it's ultimately hurt the people who've made it. I can think that while also simultaneously crediting them for all their amazing work. Throughout. This show has been mm-hmm. has looked for the most part phenomenal, and any times it hasn't is not again because of the lack of talent, ambition, or etc. from the creators, but rather just that they've not been adequately supported. So I just want to be clear that my mm-hmm. ire is directed at the system that allows this kind of thing to happen, but I can still at least give them credit for what they have actually done, and maybe even more so given a you know, the circumstances in which this show was created. But yeah, I just want that to be clear because I think that they ultimately do still deserve all the accolades for all the amazing, like, shots, cuts, animation, all the Saka stuff you've talked about, Emily, for example. Like, it's still a great-looking show regardless. I just wish it wasn't made in the way it was, to be honest. Anyway, two minutes totally. summary time. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> right. So, okay. Shadon. Are you ready? Do you need to take like a a sip of water? Do you need to limber up, stretch, do vocal exercises? Well, if me 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 start yeah start start talking with like <laughs> well, a, I was, you know, like I was gonna say if you really to give me if you really to give me fifty minutes, I can't adequately prepare. Now. By which I mean I'm gonna rewatch. Gotta this get sweet. going. Um, no, <laughs> I, I am I am ready whenever you are, Doc. So lay it on me. All right, my friend. Uh, for those at home that don't know, uh, we are going to do a two-minute plot summary because I think people were like rightly getting on our cases that we were spending too long summarizing episodes in, in the the distant past. But we we also feel that for like these videos, you know, to exist as vods or or podcasts that people listen to, you know, years from now, maybe hopefully. Um, <laughs> You know, they want some kind of context laid out uh, and given for what what we're going to talk about. So Shadon is going to give a two-minute plot summary of episodes 11 and 12 of Wonder Egg Priority starting now. Okay, so we've got Aka Musk and Aka Bezos deciding they're going to be really bored. Uh, they're actually going to go make themselves a girl because why not? You know, we just do that. We're going to make in the bathtub. We could actually be doing something in that bathtub, like making moonshine or a medicinal product. No, we're going to make a, going to make a girl instead. We're going to impose all of our ideas as men about what this little girl should be like. We're going to name her, or rather she's going to name herself Frill, and then we're going to say it's a good name. Right, moving on. Frill grows up. Um, Frill... Um, is, you know, all all sugar and spice, everything nice, everything seems pretty rosy. But then one of the Akers, or two of them, when they seconds. decide to do their lab work in a nightclub, meet Azusa, who marries one of them has it, and is, like, pregnant. And then Frill gets very jealous, kills her, because holy shit. Um, and then 
Next thing you know, uh, Frill is thrown into a basement somewhere and locked away uh, because she's not a regular human, she's sort of a AI robot. And then it turns out that they, the daughter survives um, and she then dies, commits suicide. Turns out Frill might have pushed her over the edge somehow. And that is why the Akas are doing this to try and stop Frill from like, you know, pushing girls to commit suicide. And that is all being told to I. One minute left. Okay, next episode. Uh, all the other, all of our main characters decide not doing this anymore, save for I, who goes back into the egg world. Uh, hatches an egg. It's her! Oh my god, how did this happen? Uh, turns out it's I from a parallel universe where she sadly did kill herself. Um, and they fight back against Sawaki, monster form, who turns up, as I predicted, that he was going to pop up. Um, and in the end, I overcomes him with the power of determination and self-like confidence. Um... However, that while that resolves her emotional arc, um, it does not unfortunately deal with Frill or her like daughters. Uh, so that's going to be what follows in the episode in June. I think I've covered everything. Whew. <sighs> You've done it with, with 20 seconds to spare. So uh, good work. I, I think that you hit all the... the is, is there anything that he missed in uh, Emily that you can think of in a... In a Yeah, yeah. Not not in terms of like raw plot summary, because like a lot of stuff is up for. Well, excellent work, so. my friend. You have Especially done it. You have uh, right. I'm going on know, a cigarette break. You, back you're in a minute. Yeah, <laughs> you're way better at that than me. Um, I'll just say, but uh, that's to be expected, I think. So, uh, well, before we get into it now, uh, you know, we've got patron questions. I think are first up on the docket. We uh, patrons, what are those? Well, I'm glad you asked, viewer. Uh, Patreon.com slash Show. That's Patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U. Gets you uh, all kinds of wonderful little perks and rewards if you subscribe for uh, 2 3 or $5. Those are, we, we like to keep our tiers budget-friendly. Um, this stream that you're watching right now, of course, is free to all. This is our stream of thought program. But uh, to ask questions that we absolutely must answer, no matter what they are, <laughs> uh, then uh, you need to be a member of the $2 tier, uh, $2 a month, that is, uh, of our Patreon. And then you can ask us any question you like related to the stream of thought thing we're currently covering and we will answer it on the air in depth, in detail, and force our guests to also answer said question. Uh, so keep that in mind. That is a tertiary benefit uh, to this. But uh, but check out uh, the other tiers. Uh, so if you see something you like and you and you want to support us, um, we would uh, appreciate it. But uh, by no means do you do you have to do that uh, to be a fan or to be appreciated by us. So uh, all right. Shadon, uh, you are the man with the patron questions, so uh, are we not, wheel uh, out that cart of questions. Are we not doing our, uh, like, um, thoughts? Oh, shoot, you're right. Yep, nope, you're right. Uh, you, mm, you're absolutely right. I did say that. So why don't you then... It's I know, what we are. It's, it's what we it's, do. It's fine. Yeah, this is, this is part of the bad podcastness of the brand is... Uh, like trying trying to be organized like and not writing it down. We, just own, like we own this. Keeping we own it in this. the brain. So why don't you start us off then, Shadon. Um, give us a very broad, uh, brief overview of your feelings on 11 and 12. Uh, 
This is difficult to keep it... I mean, I know I just did a two-minute summary of the plot, but doing a, like, ten-second summary of how I feel is actually incredibly difficult, especially given what people no doubt know about me and my blabbermouth. Uh, okay, I'll just basically keep it down to this. Episode 11, I think has... Depending on how you look at it, I think has a really, really strong, like, metaphoric message behind it. But I cannot deny that there are people out there, and I know of one person who's made a comparison I absolutely have to address firsthand um, <laughs> later that think that it's the worst thing ever because it pro- like because of its implications. Um, so it depends how you count read me. It. Count me in that group. I think. Oh boy! Oh boy! We'll that. get to, we'll get to that. <laughs> can um, can academically appreciate maybe certain things about the episode, but feel just feel not great about it <laughs> yeah and maybe we're talking about the same thing maybe not we'll see we'll see uh, and so i'm gonna have to thrash out with you both and find figure finally figure out how i feel episode 12 i think was as emily rightly pointed out a great personal finale um for i mm-hmm. uh, and i think would have made a sound finale for the show had it been structured a little differently um I actually found it very personally affecting as well for a reason that I will get into later, which is how I've chosen to interpret uh, the message the show gives. And Because I think episode 12 actually is a really powerful anti-suicide message. In a, and it's this message I have heard before, but it is told in this episode in a way that I have never seen before. And I actually felt quite affected by it. But I'm going to have to hold my cards on that one. I'm going to have to keep them close to my chest for later. Uh, but yeah, uh, my overall opinion is... Eleven is as good or as bad as you feel it is, and you're, no one's any right or uh, has any right to say otherwise. Episode twelve, for me, I think was a fine finale for the most part. I just wonder if episode thirteen, when it comes around, will feel perfunctory relevance relative to this. So uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, overall positive, I guess maybe sort of. I don't know. We'll figure out. How about you, Emily? Um, I think with these two episodes, you see a lot of the push-pull that shows that use um, entire other visual languages, like flower language, which I'll probably talk about later if someone doesn't ask a question about it. You can ask me about it in chat or whatever to explain, Um, because episode 11 actually has some of the tightest visual bookending with that Mm -hmm. other language that they've been using this entire show right um so there that's like a, a point in its favor however um you, you compare episode episode 11 to episode 12 and it's really interesting that these two came back to back because i think you see the two things that again shows with symbolism and shows with other visual languages really struggle with to execute and it's tying those two things together in a way that makes sense for the emotional narrative and here you see them trying to explain the in-universe mm. mechanics through two very unreliable narrators in the Akas um, who come off looking yep. remarkably terrible, <laughs> even in the story that they are telling from their perspective. Um, and then you have, uh, and also the best part, I was watching this with a, with a friend and I'm pretty sure she pointed out that like, uh she was like i don't even think i asked for any of this like i don't think she even asked a question i just like decided to like why did she go there um 
uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> now that you're here, um, let anyway, me tell you so our life Cross, story. Um, but like, and the, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, wanted yeah, an exactly. egg. <laughs> I know you weren't wondering about this at all. Uh, it's a metaphorical for half of the audience. Um, so you, and then you have this incredibly emotionally powerful episode in, in 12 where very little is explained, uh, outright. And I think to bring this to one of the, actually two of the directorial influences on the show, um, one is, uh, Kunihiko Ikuhara, who I think is really good at doing this. He's really good at explaining none of like what you think you want explained which is in universe mechanics like why are they fighting behind the school every day who cares like why why are there penguins here who cares like no one cares honestly like what is a penguin drum no one cares um it just kind of leaves you like dangling and the more important thing that's explained through the visual symbolism is um you know, the emotional narratives. Like, how do people feel about this? How did this impact people? How are people relating to each other? Like, what does that mean for all the framing devices that we are using, be that fairy tales or, um, you know, certain iconography and stuff like that? Um, Mm. And I feel like Wonder Egg kind of fails at this with episode 11, to be honest. If you're, especially if you're comparing it back to back with episode Mm -hmm. 12, because they're so very different and the other influence on the show by significant margin especially with the way that flower language is used is uh naoko yamada and she um she used a a ton of flower language specifically in her episodes in violet evergarden which fujita kind of took from her but also a silent voice is probably the best example of tying in and then an entire other visual language to say something incredibly poignant that's related to the emotional narrative of the show. And I have to say there is a, in my opinion, with the events of episode 12, a disconnect between the visual language that they use in choreography and the end result. And we'll get to that later. But um, back to back, these episodes are very, they bump up against each other in a way that's in my opinion very unflattering for episode 11 but again i'm also someone who does not care about in-universe mechanics like i don't care (laughs) i i just don't like i I care so much more about the emotional narrative and what you're trying to say and like like if you want to say something really poignant Mm -hmm. about suicide you can show that to me Instead of explaining all of this stuff about um, this this girl that we decided to create and how she's somehow influencing people and we're using their energy and there's Eros and Thanatos and all this other stuff. And it's like, okay, well, yep. I don't care. I just care about the characters that you maybe care about previously and what their emotional narratives are and, and how people are profiting off of um off of their pain in a really negative way and how they're going to try to overcome that uh, through befriending each other. Like that, that those are the strongest parts of the show for me. Um, that was the, the strongest part of episode 12 is when I ends up basically having an entire conversation with herself, regardless of how convoluted and or like forced people feel like that, the yes. circumstances of that were happening. That was a really important thing to happen for her emotional <laughs> narrative um so yeah um, enough rambling oh boy what, what did i thought. think <laughs> uh 
in some ways I'm counting on, I'm counting on the show to help me figure that out (laughs) because, um, man, uh, when I watched these episodes, I had a lot of big feelings, but how to, uh, disambiguate them from each other, parse them, pull them apart, label them, uh, I don't know. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. Um, there, uh, you know, eleven. I think was was very very strong in some respects. Like, you know, I, I was like, oh boy, a new character, great. And but by the end, I was like, oh my god, like I really care about what happens to this person a lot. Um, but at the same time, there were some things that they were kind of implying uh, through that character, which like troubled me. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about those, you know, as we uh, as we get deeper into the weeds. Uh, and then episode twelve, I mean, I just sort of had, you know, I'm I'm big dummy who likes to pretend they're smart about anime on podcasts oh, don't be and silly. YouTube. So <laughs> like, I'm just like episode twelve. <laughs> you're not you're not you're totally not i'm an idiot um, but like <laughs> just yeah just episode 12 there. i mean like just what the fuck occurred um and you know sort of what is true in an absolute sense and what is true in one timeline that may be false in another time this is all kind of like you know, I'm, 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 I think I'm getting too caught up in those details in my brain and not sort of focusing enough on what you were talking about, which is like the emotional narrative, which I do agree with you is far and away. And, I, and I've said this before, but I'll repeat myself. It's just like the strongest part of the show. I mean, I, I think like the sci-fi story, I never really care too much about. Um, mm. Like what are, what are the metaphysics of the egg world? Like, I mean, at this point, like I'm so invested in the quartet of of egg ladies that like i just sort of like don't care um i i do think that you know for all the good things i think that the episodes do i think one of my maybe i I don't know if it's my biggest or second biggest kind of hang up is like i feel like episode 11 recontextualizes almost the whole show in some sense and makes everything kind of about this conflict between the Akos and Frill that the other characters are kind of like pawns might be too strong, but they're just sort of like players in the play that is about Frill versus the Akos. Pieces on a go board, you might say. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they're very important ones to be sure because they've gotten so much screen time and uh they've gotten attention from the akas and everything like that but i i just would have been i think i would have been more gung-ho about the show if the akas didn't really get like a sort of sympathetic backstory and like you know this show was well and truly about i and about Nehru and rika and momoe um in in all senses, so yeah, I guess I'm I'm conflicted. Even though I mean, I I think again, there I think there was some really like strong storytelling. 
just just these, these certain choices that kind of made me overall feel not as great. And then it just doesn't help that like I, I kind of lost the thread in 12. So maybe some of the strengths about 12 that Emily is like effusive about, and I'm hoping that I can like through your talking about them kind of and rewatching the episode, like come to better grips with them. Cause like I wanted to like 12 more, but I, I just couldn't, uh, my, my brain has been under a lot of stress. So could not, process it in the most adequate way uh so that's kind of uh, how i feel about it ramble ramble uh there's there's my feeling on it um and i guess we'll talk about after like maybe at the end how we felt about the show as a whole uh but okay is it time now for patron questions i believe it is uh, so mm-hmm. i suppose i'll All take right. it let's do it right then uh we have four questions today from two people uh let's the first it. two of which come from kate rose and I think that I'm going to say at a time, having read these questions, I think they're going to hit our talking points and the big hot button issues about these episodes right off the bat. So uh, let's go straight out of the gate here. Let's go not to 60. First question from Kate regarding episode 11, the Akabak story. Please talk about your interpretation of what role slash use thrill is to the show, the plot, the egg world and game, and the battle of the warriors of Thanatos and Eros. So we're going right in here. Zero to 60. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, Right. I have had, I have a theory. (laughs) This is one of my cock and nitty whack job theories, but here's the thing, right? Um, I am actually very much in broad agreement with you, Emily, that for the most part, like with stories like this, uh, the mechanics of the world are things that you shouldn't obsess over in sense of, I want this to make sense. I want this to be a puzzle piece I can put together and get a broad picture. I want to understand everything, how everything works mechanically. I want to make a wiki. Yeah, I want to make. I, I want. I want to make. I want to make a YouTube video explaining the ending of a film. You know, in the sense of exactly what happened, yeah. like Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, here's the thing, right? Frill to me. Um, I need to I need to put some things on the table first with this because I did mention there was a comparison I read um, because I think people could very rightly find the fact that Frill Frill's existence in the show and what she means deeply offensive because we've had a show thus far that has been very much about the very individual circumstances very complex personal issues that lead to suicide and then oh there's just this like little redheaded girl who's just like prodding and poking people from the other world that pushes them over the edge, uh, which, yep, yeah, that that I can see as absolutely being read as deeply offensive and also kind of a betrayal of everything that's come before in the show. And I mentioned there was a comparison that I wanted to bring up that I'd seen floating around on Twitter, and that is with one of the worst anime I have ever seen, if not the worst. Uh, in fact, I will go on record as saying it's the worst. Um, Babylon, the show that I watched. Whoa, last- wait a minute, that's not the show I thought. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. Don't, don't. It did, it, it's, it's the 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 I've writer that it, wrote, so. uh, Kado. The, the same novel writer, right? That wrote Kado, the right yes. answer, I think. Yes, But like, so. Yeah. You've dodged bullets there. Uh, yeah, that that one at least Never started promising. Um, so did this but, one. So, so, so did Babylon. Oh, did it? Okay, I thought it was bad from the go. Um, or, or at least that's, I'm going off hearsay. Like I haven't seen Babylon. But uh, so uh, you think, okay. So, Shield Hero superior to Babylon. Yes, that's I'll what tell you're what, saying. And I'll tell oh you, my goodness! No, I I will tell you why. Shocker! I will Elf and lead superior to Babylon. Yes, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you why because Exarm. 
Because Babylon um, has messaging in it. And its messaging basically is mm. a couple of different things. One of which is that belief in God is the best way to not commit suicide. Um, women are the devil and will be the wrecking ball of all men everywhere. Um, and if you, and if you, okay, there, yeah, well, you've heard, the you've heard, so there we go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, and lastly, and this is the thing that makes it the worst. This is the thing that makes it worse for me is that a character literally says <laughs> something to the effect of people who have had suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts should remove themselves from the gene pool for the betterment of mankind. Oh man! Even and just hearing you say I, the words, I am a, such a person who's felt that. Nice. And okay. <laughs> That alone makes it a wretched, heinous piece of shit. Um, but I need to go further with the comparison to Wonder Egg because there's actually a character in it. I cannot remember a name. I'm not rewatching Babylon. I've not rewatched Babylon to find this out because I won't do myself the actual harm in doing that. But basically, she is the titular whore of Babylon in this in this story, at least if not literally, then uh, by implication. And she can literally make men kill herself by going up to them and just like looking at them funny or whispering in their ear, and. That is like the like she's the antagonist of the plot. The plot itself revolves around like you know a discussion about what it means to like people want to commit suicide. At least like what prose is to be, but in reality it's not because again it's got that conservative like you know Christian bollocks behind it about how people should uh, you know conduct themselves to avoid these impure thoughts. Um, but the comparison basically is that this ca- this lady who I think her name might have been I. Ironically enough, but I can't remember. Really? <laughs> I, I think it might have been. I can't recall. Uh, but basically, for some we, reason, the name Sybil is in my head because no, I've heard you talk about this before. But no, it's, I, don't I don't think, think that's right. I don't think I don't think it's Sybil. But it doesn't matter because the point is, she's essentially she is the equivalent of Frill. She is a force that can go around and force people to take their own life. Um, and that was the comparison I saw. And here's the thing, right? I don't think that comparison is fair. It is for, I. It's I Magase. That's the one. Now. Yes. Yeah. So that's two for two for me. And by remember by remember, words. by remember, I mean I checked my anime. <laughs> thank thank you for that, Dar. Thank you for going. Yeah, sure. Thank you for using the internet uh, to solve that. But basically, um, I don't think the comparison is fair because for one, the men who killed themselves because of what I did in that show, uh, it was never about their pain, their suffering. They were just the regular men, and she looks at them like sexily, and then they killed themselves for her. That was basically it. Um, the the girls in Wonder Egg, of course, we've seen them. We've seen their personal struggles. It has been very much, mostly, if not entirely, about their stories. So, I don't think the comparison is necessarily fair. Um, and also, I is literally a physical person in the physical world who can do this, whereas Frill, depending on your interpretation, isn't. So, I've got that out of the way because I wanted to address that because that has come up, and I. However, I have to point out that if people still find Frill's like role in the show and what the implication of her presence means uh, offensive or problematic, then I will not argue with you because I can't say that you're wrong because I've been I've found Babylon deeply upsetting for similarish reasons, like broadly similar ideas behind it. So who am I to say? Um, but I want to get to my interpretation of what Frill means, and I'm going to put it down this way, which is. If you approach Phil Sprill strictly as a metaphorical character, which I think is actually a bit ironic given what happens to her, but hear me out. You have two men, two guys, for a laugh, creating their idealized image of a young girl. Even the name Frill seems to have like that implication behind it, you know, that that like kind of like, you know, idealized right. young lady. Uh, and they give her all of her attitudes, they impose all of that on her. 
uh, even the things like you know uh, what was it disobedience is the essence of femininity or something like that that fucking unpredictability line. that's right? the one yeah that's yeah, the yeah. one yeah yeah basically they they create what is they believe is their idealized young girl for no other reason than they're bored and then <laughs> line, line 22 of code women be shopping next <laughs> pretty much <So> dumb. <laughs> yeah exactly and what happens is that um, and this is where things get a little murky of course like their creation uh, their own ideas bite them in the backside and then they commit Frill to the other world where she then starts poisoning the thoughts of young girls of her age. And I, I read that, and this is me being charitable here, I read that as a metaphor for like men in society imposing on society, uh, or at least societal like conventional like standards, their idea of an of a idealized like young girl, and how it's ultimately harming all of them, like either because they are taking noise or because it's just causing them mental anguish. And that's rather than it being literally the case that there is an AI girl who's caught in, you know, uh, this place that is allowing her to manipulate the minds. I think if you approach her more as a concept of we're forcing this idealized, uh, you know, vision of a young girl on all young girls, either directly or indirectly, uh, it is doing them harm as a result. That's my very charitable interpretation. I don't know if it holds any water, but it's about the best I can come up with that otherwise doesn't make me go, wow, that's all crock of shit this is, isn't it? Right. So we were talking about the same thing earlier. So this is what like uh, Steve uh, at Vestnet on ANN, you know, he talked about a similar-ish kind of way to uh, salvage the, the Frill uh, character. Um and I think it's a noble attempt, and I think you know if it, if it works for um, for folks, you know of course that's totally fine. Uh, for me, I don't know like the the fact that that uh, kind of systemic oppression is like personalized in a character who is like I don't know just taking these actions that like. Uh, like uh, either totally or like in part, uh, cause these uh young women to commit suicide in the show. Like, I don't know, it just doesn't sit well with me. Like, it's it's, it it really troubled me because that it just seems like such a like a personal, a personal thing, and we've we have examined in, you know, uh, deep messy detail uh like the the kind of the motivations and the mindsets and um the all the stuff about uh about women that take their own lives through uh for for all different kinds of reasons um undergoing like you know pain their different kinds of pain their own personal pain and i don't know to then kind of come over the top and sort of say like it's this super villain that's doing that's doing yeah that. well and and is... even if like well well and 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 of course she you know i don't think the show casts her as a super villain i mean i do think that like her her sort of the, the tragedy of the character is that like she's the making of these two asshole dudes and they're just their terribleness 
And so I don't think she's like at fault, even if like, you know, she is the, uh, uh, how do you call it? The, the efficient, the, the efficient cause of something happening as, as Aristotle would say, she's not the final cause, right? Like the, that will be the, the Akas, but like, she's <laughs> the one going yeah. and making it happen. Right. Um, that like that that is kind of how i ultimately like read her by the end of the episode like what was happening with haruka and everything i think her name is is it haruka that's the daughter of the the aka and mrs aka uh himari yeah. H- himari not haruka sorry haruka himari. is himari. another girl from the show momo's uh, friend but himari yes um i don't know that's how i read all that and it like i i just didn't uh i didn't vibe with it yeah. uh but but the character but the character herself i mean apart from that i mean it's just unbelievably tragic <laughs> and like i think demonstrates quite well uh just you know patriarchy and dudes like putting women in these boxes right that if and in these categories that uh of are of their own making uh and really restricting i mean like it's it's so interesting to me that like at no point does frill like try to escape the akka's clutches when she clearly could um that she actually couldn't, and I'll tell you. I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Because there's a background detail when um, I can't remember what it was. I visited them the second time. The tr- the hatch in the little coffin place she was put in was actually weighed mm-hmm. down. It was in the background. Well, she had you know, all the. She, you mm. missed it, but yeah, it, there was like. But she had all down. the cables. Well, all those cables were snaking out. That I mean, surely she did that. I don't think the Akas did that. You know what it, I mean? It's a magical world. I took that as a metaphor for her, like <laughs> infesting the world and, like you know, decided to branch sure. out. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't sure. literally think like, oh god, like did she get them from Amazon or whatever? You know, like I'm gonna order all these, like all of these power strips. <laughs> <laughs> Next day delivery. <laughs> I, I just want to address um, some, some quick points of yours there, Doc. Which is, you actually said to okay. me in a previous episode that we did of this, where you said you thought it was going to be a big bad, and the reason I think the this is like also why I now retroactively don't like the Persona franchise as much anymore because big bads are inherently reductive. Like, oh, we beat this, we beat this bad guy, and everything's solved, and we're all done. Yay, cool. Uh, but I, I, I do agree. I do think like you know that if it is going to be thrilling, the end, like it, this is ultimately why I think the final episode's not going to feel what thirteen that is in June's going to feel as good or satisfying as the one we just watched because it's a mecha- we're solving the mechanical problem, not the emotional one anymore. Um, I just want to at least stick up for big bads. <laughs> so, I think they might be they might be reductive when um, you're is, having like a psychodrama. Yeah, but like sorry, sorry, in some context, in some context, they're good. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Emily. Mm. Um, what is the question? Uh, yes. a, lot of, a lot of stuff. Because uh, the I question after this is about the uh, final egg girl, which would be I, um, and final egg boss, which would be Sawaki. And how this battle impacts your understanding of I, her mom, and Sawaki as characters. Okay, cool. Um, so that kind of ties into what I'll talk about. So I'll just talk about those things together. Um, I've already said that I could 
care less about the mechanics uh, of of everything because I feel like if you're using again um, specifically with how much this series has paid attention to cinematography, its own cinematography and its, its lighting and having this entire secondary visual language in uh, floriography, which um, I guess like. I'm not meaning this to sound like any sort of humble brag, but if it wasn't meant for that, then the director wouldn't have retweeted one of my posts on it. Um, so, like, I do think that there is, like, a very purposeful application of flower language in this. Um, and interestingly enough, episode 11 is the most uh, bookendy version of that, where they take a lot of visual things that they had previously applied uh, throughout the rest of the show. Like, for example, leading this episode off with the conclusion of Rika's fighting was really purposeful because she's the one who has had the flower field that A, changes based on what kind of emotion they want to convey, but also changes the, the flowers themselves change color, which changes the meaning of them um, based on the lighting. And we see that applied to Frill. Um, so it's basically setting you up to uh, view this in a really like coherent and kind of bookendy mm. way with concepts they introduced in the first like two to three episodes um, visually. So from that kind of like narrative standpoint of how what it what it seems to be like trying to get the viewer to do. Episode 11 is really interesting to me, but I don't think it's, like, particularly successful. And I think if they were going to... And this could be... Um, I'm not making excuses yeah. for it, but... Because I do think they always no, plan oh to introduce no. Ferl. I don't think she's, like, a, an afterthought by any means. But if they were if they were planning on introducing her, uh, and maybe this ties into the scheduling issues that they obviously had with such a small team... Um, you kind of hint at that earlier because Eleven in particular, when we're talking about the Akas and we're talking about the explanation of concepts, it's that having this kind of episode where it's almost in a vacuum, right? Where like, uh, as my friend who I watched episode 12 with pointed out, like I didn't even ask really like the, the one of the Akas just starts like info dumping on her. Mm. Um, is that like, like pretty much is that um, mm. you, you have everything like weirdly self-contained and even with the visual language trying to loop it back into what the series started, it's not matching up. Um, so if you wanted to use a mechanic like this, it should have been hinted at earlier because isolating it in one episode not only kind of makes it seem like it's coming out of the blue and kind of like a really unnecessary explanation, when it comes to the girl's emotional narratives. Um, but it additionally makes it so that like these characters who we already didn't really like because they're they're arbiters, they're there to keep the status quo in place, they're there to profit off of, you know, young women's pain um, and suicidal ideation for their own goals. And like that was already hinted at. Um, I, I thought it was very explicitly said, actually, both both through their actions and also through the visual language. But so having an entire episode of that seems superfluous because, like, did anyone come out of this 
feeling like they really, really felt bad for the Akas, you know, man? Like, they just got a bad break. Women be crazy. Like, no, everyone was coming out of this episode being like, what the fuck, dudes? <laughs> like, why? Like, you were bored? Like, seriously? Jesus, um, yeah. So, and, and, like... Yeah, and like that kind of seems superfluous when you think about how they've already yeah. been set up, right? At least to me. Um, so like spending an entire episode on this where they're just these weird, unreliable narrators, narrators and they come across as just awful, even when describing their own backstory in presumably the most sympathetic way that they can think to convey it, is like, it's like, okay, we already... D- thought you were kind of shit and now we definitely think you're shit like like so so that in that like way it makes it seem really extraneous to me so i'm trying to explain why like i really don't care about about the mechanics yeah um and then with episode 12 (laughs) is really interesting because if you're looking at it as a and this is where like again i have a lot of people disagreeing with me on on Sawaki because I feel like unlike the Akas, people really wanted to believe that he was like this this very good and pure person. And it goes from people thinking he's like awful and evil to people thinking he's like the the best thing ever and it's explained away by everything that happens in this episode. But one thing I want to point out first before going into like what I think it is, is that if you go back to Minami, for example, who's the second girl that that I saves, right? So in comparison to the first girl she saves, Minami is really unsure of herself. Um, she praises I for like <laughs> for like uh being able to do her own thing, aka be a shut-in, um, because she's so scared of like breaking out of her own routine that she uh, you know, she tries to not go to rhythmic gymnastics for one day but then ends up going anyway and that's her like big attempt at um trying to break out of her her own shell like (laughs) you you would never go back to minami and her wonder killer who was extremely awful and definitely ties into this really weird idea of like love is pure and good when you're younger but as women get older as they age they suddenly become gross and they're uh you know they're manipulative and etc etc there's there's been that that through line since the and i'm not saying the show is saying this i'm saying the show is saying this attitude is bad um and and it and it it gets introduced in in that like kind of second episode really clearly through minami the reason why I'm bringing up Minami is because you wouldn't go back and say to her, even though she's, you know, you sit there and she's apologizing for her inadequacies and anyone who's been uh, abused by someone who's in a position of authority or power over them knows how this works, right? Where you, they are at some point praising you, um, mm-hmm. but most of the time they're they're kind of manipulating you and, and trying to keep you down. And there's not like a clear cut... Um, like if people, most of the time, uh, as someone who has dealt with this in personal relationships a lot um, in the past, it most of the time people aren't bad all the time, right? Like the the system doesn't work if you're bad all the time. You have to have there, there's good in there at the same time. Uh, to point out one of the best characters at this, actually, I'm not I'm not gonna 
uh, this is like a Nutena spoiler, so I guess like block your ears. It's it's not like a, I guess it kind of is a major one. But like there's, it, when you're looking at the dichotomy of like good and evil in a, in a person, even uh, like a, a prince isn't suddenly a terrible person when they lose their innocence. They just get colored in this really weird gray area. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. That's very vague, but anyone who's watched Nutena mm-hmm. can can. Yeah, no, no, knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, do it. You you would never go back to Minami and be like, okay, you very obviously had had respect for this woman who was your superior, who was very obviously abusive to you. We know that the Wonder Killers from watching Sawaki throughout the series and then watching Sawaki in the Alter Eyes uh, world as a Wonder Killer that. The Wonder Killers are very, like, bombastic versions of what happens in life, right? So this person is not doing these things. They're not bad yeah. all the time. Um, but there's, like, that... that it, it turns something that's, like, gray into something that's very, like, uh, evil, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, or, like, outwardly bombastically evil. Um, you would never go back to Minami and say your gym teacher was actually treating you really well, right? And so, like, that is that is where I have yeah. an issue with... <laughs> yeah, this wonder that, killer where, is just, so, like, a like, manifestation I, I don't of your take doubt. issue with the, whatever, the final I mean. episode, but I, I do think that... And I, and I know I've been, like, ripped apart on Reddit for saying that Sawaki is still a bad person. Um, I don't think you would also go back and say, like... I Yeah. Uh, I don't think really? you would also go back. Eh. I mean, it's up. Like, I'm I think shocked. It's, I think it's by design that that happens, right? Because you want to believe that he's good. I wanted to believe. I want to believe that Akio is good in Nintendo well, too. Yeah. Like that. I went through this whole like transformation of like how I interpreted stories and fairy tales after watching Nintendo, and it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, yeah. So like, and I don't think. Um, I don't think the final episode exonerates him either, right? And I also don't think it makes him a really terrible person. It it oh, no. does, however, point out that like just like you would never go back to Minami and say your gym teacher wasn't abusing you, just like you'd never go back to any of the young women that Momoe saved and tell them these people weren't abusing you. Um, you would because if you you know if you look at like Karu's story, for example, his story sucks. Right? It's shit. Oh, Jesus. Um, and so, and so, like, yeah, you're not going to go back yeah, to Karu and be like, back, yo. You're not going <laughs> like, to go back to Karu and say. Like, maybe they were a good person after all. So, I think hmm. that's where, like, um, I see a narrative through line that I, that I really like when you're examining how people have influence over you. And ultimately, um, to, to yeah. kind of go to, go forward to I's relationship with her mother i really loved that part because i think when you're looking at uh sorry if i'm talking too much by the way but if you're looking at like the way that koito is no placed, no carry on, right? carry on. um the uh Nedu actually says it best when she's like uh she's kind of a false friend uh like there there's this idea that we have to try to figure out whether how much koito actually meant to i and 
it just so happens that she was the first person to befriend her. There's this very clear feeling coming out of episode 12 that it could have been anyone, right? Like, it could have been anyone who was just there. Just someone else who was mm. there for I. Anyone. Literally anyone. Because the I that didn't have mm-hmm. someone in, in Koito ended up not being able to see her own mother's yeah. love for her. Um, so it's like her mom was always there as well, but it took that extra person to make that connection, right? Because when all this stuff happens to Koito, yeah. you know, yeah. I ends up seeing how much her mother really cares about her, despite the fact that her mother obviously has no idea how to deal with what I's going through, right? She doesn't really know how to approach her about it. She tries to talk to her about it, and it's very weird and awkward, um, especially with Saoki there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is all a rambling, rambling thing to say that like the way that the series has framed Sawaki and framed I and framed her mom, I think the emotional conclusion that I comes to in the very end by being able to talk to her, essentially herself, who didn't have just any one friend in in high school. Um, it ends up being like really, really poignant, uh, like very emotionally affecting, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, 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 and and I yeah. really like one and I, really I got lucky, liked, right? <laughs> and the other didn't. I liked the way that it says like it can be anything that that does it because like uh, I don't know if you guys uh, I don't know if I have to put like a trigger mm-hmm. warning on this because I've shared this publicly. I shared it on Crunchyroll when I was writing about Orange, but the thing that stopped me from killing myself was getting swine flu. Like it wasn't anyone, <laughs> anyone's existence. It was swine flu. It was, I was just lying there with fever because I was yeah. like planning on doing it. And I was just like lying there, I think watching football and <laughs> on the couch with like 103 degree fever. And, um, and, uh, my family was off at a Christmas thing in Connecticut. And, um, and I was at home in Massachusetts. And I was just thinking, like, wow. My body's really fighting hard to keep me alive. Like maybe I should also do that, but mentally. Um, so so like it doesn't yeah. have to be like yeah. any any one like big thing. It can be something very subtle. Uh, and that's where I think the existence of Koido is really interesting to me because there is this sense that yes, it could have literally been anyone, just anyone to to be yeah. present. Um, and in that way. Like, Koito is both a false friend and, like, a very true one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, I'll just add some things to what you said there. Um, first of which is I just want to go back to episode 11 and talk about the whole, like, flashback thing, which is there's an element that props up in this. And I, I know we said, like, about not talking about mechanics, but so you'll have to correct me on this if I'm getting this very specific point of the way. But if you recall that I picks up, like, a document which shows, like, an uptick graph of suicide rates, or at least it's pointed out at some point that that's been happening since Frill was incarcerated. Um, now, we can argue whether or not that's actually true. Um, because, again, this is from the actor's perspective. It is, as you say, unreliable narration. But there's something about that that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, and this is not because of anything to do with, like, whether or not that's true in real life or not. But I felt like 
and this really, I think, also helps illustrate the issue with putting the frill plotline in this show to begin with, because it feels like a quality, sorry, a quantitative like problem. Like you know, the numbers are going up. We must solve the numbers. But the thing that Wonder Egg has been most powerful about, and has rightly pointed out, is that the reasons for suicide are complex. They are varied, and they're mm-hmm. deeply, deeply personal. So I felt really. Like, I didn't know how to take that. I was like, is this all bullshit? Like, is this just their justification for doing all this crap? Um, but to me, I think it only just helps, like, codify, like, why, even if I could put that thing, uh, that theory forward of, like, hey, Frill is meant to represent, like, a, you know, a poisonous conception of, like, you know, girlhood on girls kind of thing. That whole stuff I saw before. Like, even that, it still feels like this, it feels really odd. The other thing as well is that, the very personal story of the Akers, like, and what happens to Azusa in particular, and then Imari, like, that to me, like, feels like it it doesn't work with the conceptual element, because that means that, you know, these things still happen to them, but then Frill becomes, is meant to be treated conceptually, but then it just makes a kind of wave between natural person and more of a metaphorical concept, which, uh, I don't know, it just feels messy, I think is the way, I think it needed more work, as you said, definitely some more setup earlier in the show. Um... The other thing I'll say now is, since we moved on to the question, which I'll just restate for the benefit of everyone, and that Doc's just returned, so I'll re-mention the second question from Kate, uh, which is, episode 12, how did you interpret the final Egg Girl and the final Egg Boss, that being I and Swaki, and how this last battle impact your understanding of I, Hamon, and Swaki Sensei's characters? Right, okay. I mentioned before at the very beginning, or near the beginning of this podcast, that I found episode 12 really, really emotionally affecting. Uh, you yourself said it was profound, Emily, and I agree with you, um, because I am, I mean, you've offered your honest thoughts, uh, your honest your honest history here, and I will do so as well, uh, which is, I went to therapy for suicidal ideation. Um, I had, at the time, and for a long time prior to that, thought of many horrific ways that I wanted to take my own life. I never did, I'm still here, and I'm very grateful for that, and I'm also a lot better now. Uh, those thoughts are pretty much gone. Therapy does work wonders. Give it a try. That's all I ask. I think anyway, I, I speak for the whole of the listenership when I say I'm grateful that that's the case for both of you. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I'm very much glad that all of us are here to do this. Um, but here's the thing, right? What I'm about to say, I must stress, is very much my personal perspective. Um, and I'm not going to say that this message I'm about to talk about is wrong or wasted or the people were telling me this was you know bad it came from a good place but when i was going through that awful time i would often hear a message of to the effects of it'll get better and i never once believed it it never once stuck with me or made me feel like it actually would be true it was too abstract it felt to me i felt like asking back oh how how does this get better? Give me some concrete examples of what will actually change to make my life better. Uh, And obviously that's too much to ask of that person. They're trying to help. I understand that. But it never works for me, that message. And I can't speak for other people. Maybe they've heard that message too and they feel similarly so I did. Maybe they thought, no, you know what? I'm glad to be reassured for it. But then this episode, episode 12 comes along and an implication dawned on me. I think what happens here is that we have this message being delivered in such a way that it actually finally, finally made sense to me. And it kind of caught me completely off guard, um, which is I, our I, that is the one we've seen throughout the show, uh, tells a version of herself who's taken her own life. It will get, you know, you, you will get better. I have friends, you know, and we've seen that all the way through this show's run, how she has actually 
you know, gotten stronger. It's not been easy. She's still struggled with her own personal issues with Sawaki. Like, it's not been a, a completely bump-free ride, you know. It's not been smooth sailing. But it has gotten better, you know. It's been incremental for her. She has more friends now. Um, and her telling that to her, the version of herself where she thought... It will. Not, she was so, so stuck in that mindset, it will never get better to the point where she took her own life. And we have all the proof of the entire show that came before it. It felt to me like the that message being portrayed in such a way that it actually felt really powerful. It didn't feel like force because, uh, you know, it's not like the reverse where we have like, you know, I meet, meets I from the future before she kills herself. And I says, no, it's going to get better. We're not going to show you any of it, but it'll get better. I promise. I promise. Like, no, we've seen all the struggles she's been through. This point she reaches now where she tells her like a different part of herself, a side of herself from a different timeline. Uh, it will get better. And we have all the evidence that we've seen as the audience to back that up. And it really, really hit me when I thought that. I was like, this is the first time that message has ever, to my memory, been told to me through media. And I thought, I think holy even... shit, I get it. Oh, no, I was so, going to say, I think it's even better than that because, so, uh, again, I think Minami is such a really good parallel for uh, for I and Alter I talking about Sawaki and, and, and Koito because already in the in Minami's episode where Minami faces down her gym teacher, right? Um, I think it's really, that episode's really important. If you want to point to another one, that's really good about that. Um, Rika with the cult leader uh, one is another one that's like really, really good um, in regards to mm-hmm. someone who is obviously has, uh, you know, a lot of, of love or respect for this person who is also having a very negative impact on their life. Um, I think that it's not even that it gets better, but the most important thing I think that I I've been calling them triangle eye and and like X eye based on because you the way you tell them apart <laughs> is their beret right um their hair beret uh or barrette sorry trioso uh, the the <laughs> thing the most pointed thing that she tells her is that my mom always was there for me right like she never you know she she always supported me and that's why I want to be able to get over whatever feelings I have about Sawaki so that she can be happy. Um, I think I, in that moment, isn't even necessarily telling her, like, it gets better. She's telling her, like, it always was, that this always was, like, the case. This love was, like, always around you, actually. Um, so even though I, like, can't stop you, I, yes. I obviously can't stop you. This already happened. Um, I can tell you that, you know, regardless, like, you were loved, even back then. Uh, and I think that's a really, really fucking powerful yeah. thing to say. Yeah. Yes. That's great. You're 100% really right. I think, I think I I freely admit my blindness to that, given my relationship with my own mother, but I 100% agree with your, your assessment of that. Uh, and, yeah, it's even... It, I agree, like, it is incredibly powerful. Like, and this, everything you've just said, Emily, building on what I've just said, I think ties into what you yourself said before, and I agree with, which is yeah. it would not be in the end of the world if the show had ended here, because it is an amazing, amazing personal like arc for I, and also just a great note for the show's fish on, a note of positivity for people who have been through similar to what she's been through. 
like a way that I think actually really feels like it sinks in and like isn't something that just deflects off you. Like, yeah, I hundred percent. But what about agree. Uh, but what about all the men whose plot threads are? Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. No, but I. I the, this the only entire thing... episode is just me whispering. What about the Akas and their amazing backstory? <laughs> <laughs> no i can't no it, it is um i i think the other three uh of the egg quartet being sidelined to such a great degree makes me hesitant mm-hmm. to say that i'm okay with this being a finale because i mean i was really invested in all of them yeah and i, I want to see more resolution in regard to i want to see something right i mean there's not just sort of loose story threads but there's like just open conflict that is like what is gonna happen you know what i mean there's a really huge thing so like but but from from the point of view of i i mean it's 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 you know think thinking back on it and thinking about you know how you guys are 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 reading it i mean it's hard to think of like a better conclusion for her honestly mm-hmm. um yeah i will so i'm sorry go on. oh yeah i i want to um talk about uh i want to respond to something that emily was saying for the last question, I will I will answer the current question we're on. I promise, but um, I just want to echo something she said and uh, just put my own two cents out there about it because I think um, uh, this is me repeating myself again. Uh, but I think that the way that the show depicts abusers is um, incredible. Is you know, not of course that abuse existing is incredible, obviously, but like the the, the very honest, like authentic uh, uh, portrayal and, and lens it gives to sort of what those people are like is is um, I think to be commended uh, because, like she said, I mean, they're if only all abusers looked to our eyes like wonder killers i mean the world would be a much easier to get along in place because we could easily identify them and stop them and know what was going on but uh you know they're very oftentimes have these good qualities not just handsomeness or or being great artists or well-spoken like you know they are sometimes kind to different people you know sometimes uh all kinds of good things right but um uh, but yet and still, I think we have to like we have to square that with the reality that the the way that these kinds of people are depicted in this show as wonder killers is also true. Like mm-hmm. that darkness is also in there. Um, those behaviors, those uh, not just the thoughts and inkling, because you know it would be one thing if like the wonder killers were just like representative of like thoughts they were having, but like I very much interpreted them as like these things when when they're talking about like raping a girl that really happened to the girl or the boy that they were talking about and so i think that i do think that like by and large these are are pretty awful people but they're allowed to be awful by these institutions that let it happen yep. to young women and young men and that is like such a tragedy and and it's like I think it's all I think it's all really well told in this show. And I think the people that like want to like exonerate Sawaki are just like honestly I think they're deluding themselves. 
like straight up. I mean, you cannot look at episode 12 in isolation. I mean, you just simply can't. Like, you, if you look at every other Wonder Killer, like you said, the Minami one, great example. Um, the uh, the Kaoru one, great example. You're not going to go to them and tell them that they're wrong about these things, that these people are really, they're okay, they're they're fine, they're good. Like, I, no. I, just, want, I just want to add, I defy anyone to look at Sawaki's, like, abomination of a painting with the title latent heat and think yeah latent that's fine heat. the only latent way that thing would be the only thing that would, the only way that fucking atrocity would be worse it's is pretty gross. NFT. yeah it's honestly pretty gross. um it's, it's disgusting <laughs> it's real bad it's disgusting but i want to just add to your point that the two with the flowers <laughs> yeah jesus oh, when i read your your piece about yeah. what they meant like it was um stomach turning <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to add to your point though doc about the presentability of like these kind of people um this is can also why to me um at least conceptually sawaki is an artist like he's an artist as writ- or written as one because he very much not only does he actually do the acts of painting but he portrays himself in such a way and in turn paints a world like for i at least like you know that she feels compelled to be a part of you know and this is also why the final, like in the actual fight, of course, the final attack that he does is the one where he drops that blue ink into the water. Um, water, by the way, has also been used a couple of times throughout these episodes as kind of like a transition between life and death, um, which also fits in here. Um, so I I thought that was really neat. They, they kept that, like, it wasn't just a thing he does. Because there's any number of ways, like, I mean, obviously the, the painting, as we just discussed, is very effective, in, at least as it should be, in getting across what mm-hmm. a vile person he is. But it's not just simply that it's a, fun- like, it's not purely functional. Like, you know, it also goes to show, like, the ultimate expression of how he can control, like, you know, the way he presents himself, the world around him. He doesn't literally paint, you know, to make people think different things. Um, but he some in a sense kind of like you know portrays like himself in the way he does and, yeah it's such a but, great point Shadon because like he's he's not just having this conversation with I I mean I think he's having it with the audience you know what I mean like uh, well it seems like you too have fallen from my public face it's really nice to be born handsome huh yeah. you can get away oh, with a lot by, by the way nice visual touch in episode 12 you can tell all the scenes in which once he's dropped that blob of blue paint, which are the dream world uh, that he has created, this or like you know this illusion, because all of the color grading is deeply blue, shades of blue, following the drop of blue and he put in there, so you can you can immediately visually distinguish it between them. Really good with colors. Like I said, the that that's one thing that episode eleven. It's does pretty well, damn like good. Presents mm-hmm. basically the the con- not not conclusion. I guess it's the wrong word, but like the bookending of its uh of the way it's been using visual language in the entire time yeah so uh, do, do, we have any- do you Sorry. guys think oh do, so do you guys think <clears throat> while we're talking about sawaki um so episode 12 obviously introduces the parallel world conceit seven what was the name and, of this episode that actually introduced the parallel world conceit yeah that it's been mentioned uh, which, before. The yeah. Kotobuki and, which and Yeru episode. It, um, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's number see eight. Yeah, one. she talked one. about it. Right. Well, I, that just sort of seemed like, you know, 
ah, uh, the manic pixie dream girl scientists talking her stuff. <laughs> like, I don't, but it's like, like, but, but I'll grant your point. I'll just, let me amend my statement then and say like the parallel world uh, theory is shown to be actually true for this world right here. Definitely for sure. In this episode, like it you know, smacks us in the face because it, I meets I, uh, and mm-hmm. so you have two eyes and the wonder killer up for uh parallel world. eye is Sawaki like, I could see someone maybe trying to, and this is a very mechanical argument here, Emily, but like someone, uh, you know, saying, hey, look, uh, this whole deal with Sawaki and 12 was just about like the Sawaki in that world line. It doesn't apply to the true actual eye Sawaki that, you know, <laughs> we we are acquainted with in this one, no, which uh, I think is like wrong. Well, I mean, uh, like, I can t- tell you what's wrong. the... I can tell you okay. that and I can prove it. I can prove it with something that actually happens in that fight. I is trying to hit him with her giant pen, and she's saying, no, the real Sawaki is nice and whatnot and all this. And he's telling her otherwise, and her attacks mm-hmm. are completely ineffective while she's saying that. It's only when she accepts the truth of who he is that she ends up defeating him. So bear in mind, this is our eye, you know, uh, you know, from the prime time, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. This is where also why I don't triangle like the so you get tied up in timeline Go shit. Go with the Brits, uh, like, Triangle Eye and the, X-I. Yeah. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, I versus A-U-I. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, um, yeah, I, I can I can point to that and say, like, no, this is literally just the same. Like, and moreover, there's also no evidence to say that he's any... Like, well, also, different so, ways. like, going oh, back to... No, I, I do you don't think, buy... Do you think she... If you're, if you're ignoring what the show is telling you explicitly and looking at how it's showing you explicitly, in every... That's why I think Minami's episode is, like, so important as a almost, like, Rosetta Stone for the way that we look at Wonder Killers and the way that we look at... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a primer. Them ...is that it's not until... Minami accepts that it's not entirely her fault that she's able that I is able to um to fight and defeat the wonder killer properly like it's not without Minami's help um and, and her accepting what happened the buy-in, you know yeah. mm-hmm. um that that she's able to mm-hmm. uh defeat it and so I think in that regard it really sets up this precedent that remains true for every single wonder killer is that you need to accept the truth of the situation you need to um you know absolve yourself of your Mm -hmm. your own like blame or or self-disgust or whatever is going on in order to fight it properly um because i can't and I think this is also really important, right? I, I, when she's fighting off other wonder killers, she can't just come in. And again, this is why I think Minami's episode is so important. She can't just come in as like super cool girl with a weapon and she's defeating everything and like, you know, she's mm-hmm. super badass and et cetera, et cetera. Like that's not what happens. Even though Minami thinks that initially she comes in, she thinks that, okay, you know, you're so cool. 
you can save me from this. Uh, even if she's not explicitly saying that, there's kind of this hero worship that happens almost immediately. And, uh, and still I is not able mm-hmm. to defeat it without Minami's help from her rhythmic gymnastics, actual ribbon turning into a weapon that helps. And also her giving yep. I really ex- explicit direction as to like duck here, dodge here, go this way, go that way because she can't see. Um, so I think in that regard, it, it sets that stage up really well for I, the, the two eyes fighting Sawaki side by side. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also, just as a reminder, <laughs> latent heat. I, I know, don't right? know how I mean, this like, could be any exactly, more like, obvious. I agree. I mean, the framing of, of the character all throughout has been um, very sinister and foreboding. And I mean, and I think, I mean, specifically, specifically, uh, really, I just really, this will be so fast, Emily, and then you can try to, I just wanted to say um, that, uh, I mean, I just really do think that the show is in episode 12, very explicit that like, I mean, these are parallel worlds, but like, that's still the same people. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's not, you know, we're not talking like a like a cable age of the apocalypse like timeline difference. You know, it's like ah, oh, these two people married, and like this other person is totally different. It's it's not like they're the same people. Uh, I here is I there, and that's like that's why everything yeah, that happens is so heartening for her because is, yeah, the person with the f- yeah. It makes yeah. sense, right? Because yeah. because uh, it's just it's her, right? And and it applies to her life. So like I think we can transpose that similitude uh, onto the the Sawakis that exist. I, know, I was in just these gonna say I think it's actually so important ahead, though, that Sawaki is so vague because again, like to my earlier point about abusers, but then even sure like to go sure. back to Utena and like my kind of like mind blown moments about that and storytelling is that like for a vast majority of the show like i wanted it to end or like my expectations for it ending were going to be you know utena is going to you know make make him see the light and and turn good and you know he's going to be a prince again and everything's going to be you know that's how things typically end um and that's not how it ends spoilers uh it ends in an amazing so mm-hmm. much better way um <laughs> that that is just awesome but at the same time really challenges you to think about these kind of things right and so i don't think wonder Egg priority does nearly as good of a job as you mm-hmm. but i do think that it um i do think that it's oh no really no it's not that show cool that we're having this conversation about sawaki right and like i i i think that it's important that people want him to be good you know like you desperately want him to be good and i think that is yeah a really key part of his character yeah, yeah. and t- by that same token i think it is also super important that he was explicitly revealed in 12 to be a wonder killer so that the people that did want e- either not see or willingly kind of want to not see what we all saw can go back and look at it and be like, oh, it, it was there. Like, this is what, like, and, and then like, take what is shown about the, the Sawaki. Like, okay, so Sawaki's a wonder killer, but we've seen everything about his life. Like there's plausible deniability. There's kind of this 
vagueness about him being uh, a predator. I mean, we can. I think we can then like apply it to like every other one of the wonder killers. Like you know, again, like I think it's just a very important thing for people to think about and sit with. Yeah. That this is kind of more of a an authentic portrait of someone like that, you know, uh, than um, than than a more simplistic one. Yeah. Paul, but, so, uh, what's our next question, Shadon? I'm sorry, sure. no, dude, you have something more to say. I'll I'll, I'll add one thing to say, and I, I'll repeat what I said at the on the previous part as well. Is this isn't just happening in fiction? Of course, there are actual real world consequences to people in authority presenting themselves as, you know, respectable individuals who then abuse their power to abuse people. I mean, again, Sarah Verard in, in the UK, this this woman who was murdered, right. presumably, not been proven in court yet, but murdered by a police officer, you know. Um, mm-hmm. also, I could name other instances, but yeah, it, it again, is this is why this show is also, say, very relevant. It is because it re- there are people like Sawaki out there and one may wonder then that maybe some of the vehement defenses of him that you've heard of, Emily, might be because it cuts too close to the bone for some people, perhaps. Maybe I'm speculating wildly and rampantly here, but yeah, um, it's worth remembering that there are people like that out there uh, and with very real consequences as a result. Um, it's not just simply something that happens in this safe fictional space. So, so No way, man. My uncle's like him. Oh, wait. Oh, oh dear. All right, next question. Uh, This one comes from Rackham Extreme. Sorry, I have to say extreme like that. It's the law. Um, And I think we may have already covered some of this. So um, I apologize if we have to abridge our answers here. But the first of it is, do you think that the suggestion that Frill might have helped uh, encourage or increase some of the suicides in any way hurts the show's theme, overall message or quality, as opposed to if she didn't have a hand in them? I'm just going to put it out there. Um... We've already, I've already talked about this in some some length, so I'm just going to say that I think that for the most part, one could eject Frill from the show entirely, and I don't think it yeah, would negatively I, harm. We were we were joking, so me and I, the other friend I was watching the show with, we were joking that we're going to get like there are two, at least two other of our friends that are really interested in watching this. They were going to wait until the end uh, and then watch it in its entirety. Um, but now I think what we're going to do is have a marathon prior to the finale. Um, and, but we were like, yeah, you can skip the recap <laughs> episode and you can skip the, the episode 11. Um, that's kind of like a, a half joke thing uh, because you can theoretically take that out and have the same emotion, uh, the emotional narrative conclusions. Um, I've already also talked about how Frill yeah. is to some extent extraneous but i also do think because it does seem like the actual finale is because i's emotional narrative ends here right think uh or not ends but you know what i mean like it comes to a very logical conclusion um i think that uh yeah the it see it, it by by that logic we can infer that episode 13 is going to deal with a lot more of the in-world mechanics and stuff that episode 11 introduced so in that regard uh, the question is going to remain unanswered for me until i see that episode if that makes sense yeah i already i already have had money on it basically playing out the exact same way as the final boss fight from the pacifist run of undertale Ugh. 
<laughs> you know it. It's I been too it. long. I don't remember exactly what's that, what that's like. <laughs> but it, but it, honestly, like, I is going to get the shit kicks out of her by Frill, and I literally think you could just have a little white text box that comes up and says, but it refused. You know it. I know it. <laughs> right. It's going to be the right. exact same thing. It's going to be Asriel Dreamer all over again. Uh, do you have anything else to add to that question, Doc? Uh, well, I mean, I think th- yes is my answer. I mean, I, I, I strongly dislike the whole, like, temptation of death as, like, a world mechanic when applied to, like, you know, teen suicide. Like, it just it's not the is play. not... It's it's not what I'm into. It's not what I it's not what I signed up for. It's not what I signed up for of this story. I'm not vibing um, with this. <laughs> I yeah, not not vibing with this at all. Like, it's, yeah, I mean, I think it it just, it just seems to like cut against like what the show had done up to that point. Um, when exploring the pain of other people, you know, mm. um, that yeah, I mean, it, and it you could I, I think it's really easy given what the show has has like the foundation of the first 10 episodes like that message is almost already there that there's like a lay that like in addition to whatever personal pain and kind of individual tragedies that are happening to these young women there's a layer of institutional kind of patriarchal oppression i think that's already been established like you don't need like frill to be like the manifestation mm. of that concept to bring yeah. that home. Yeah, so. I, I agree. Um, and I'll just end my... Uh, I'll move on to the next question second, but I'll just mention again, just to, just to reiterate, uh, I feel currently a bit neutral. Like, I think this theory that I came with before could be a thing, but as you've rightly pointed out there, Doc, it's not strictly speaking necessary. It's still messily implemented. And more to the point, and what's really important here is... That's my reaction. If if you, listener at home, uh, wherever you may be catching this, may think so, I don't agree. Uh, I think it's horrible. I think it's wretched. I think it undercuts the show entirely. Uh, you're right. It's not for me or anyone else to like say to you, your interpretation of this is wrong. Uh, that person who came with that comparison with Babylon, for example, I don't agree with the comparison, but I do understand the sentiment that it is still, if you read it in that particular way, which is a valid reading, you know, uh, uh, like deeply troubling as you say so yeah yeah i mean like imagine imagine a show that for like four-fifths of its runtime was like about exploring the reasons that couples like people that were once in love drift apart fall out of love and then you know commit like affairs of the heart or physical affairs or whatever and then you find out what actually happened was off-screen Cupid was shooting them with arrows. Oh, you mean Dog and the Franks? God, it, it just sort of is, it's very down. similar to like what they're doing and it's uh, it's just super terrible. annoying. I knew it, I knew it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry when he, when he was <laughs> describing that, I was like, nope, it just fits, just fits. I'm just sorry. no-selling you. I'm pretending you didn't say that. That's it's totally fine. no-selling That's you. That's fine. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna remove it from my own memory lace with copious amounts of rum. Okay, next question. Um... Do you think they could have handled some of the themes addressed in the last episode with the introduction of victims from a parallel world, such as Kaito being in the egg instead? Or do you feel the way they did it was best slash necessary? For me, I think it works because it is 
like the parallel worlds thing. I think that the honest answer I have to the way I describe this is don't worry about it. As as Emily said, <laughs> who cares? The, the the parallel worlds thing. This is also like this is also for example why I would very much encourage people not to get obsessed with the fact that Frill is an artificial intelligence. Doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, it is a label. Uh, but it is not something you should obsess over the details thereof. Like, the Parallel Worlds thing is just a method for which I can talk to a different version of herself to have this emotional, like, resolution. How that whole works is completely and utterly superfluous to its actual goal of we need to make this or allow this to happen. That's what's important. So... No, it's like the Evangelion it. ending, right? I mean, it's like, don't worry about why they're all talking to each other in this weird liminal space and that's spacey-wacey and timey-wimey. Just like, what matters is like the, the dialogue. I would say, I think like it the, only, the, what's happening. like, I don't care about the Parallel Worlds thing either. I think, honestly, just even mentioning it in a previous episode is enough for it to be like, okay, that's a thing. Um, but I think the the whole narrative thrust behind it is really good and in that regard i think it only could have been i who came out of the egg because i Mm -hmm. needed to in order for her like her emotional narrative had already concluded sort of but she wasn't aware of that right like she'd already become this person who was a lot more aware of her own feelings who even after fighting with her friends um is someone who's like yeah i have friends and they're great actually um is someone who's always really Mm. quick to forgive and to and to trust people and that gets taken advantage of in some cases uh even by one of her friends rika Uh, as much as i love rika like i I fucking love her but like initially (laughs) initially that is their relationship right i do you Um, (laughs) so like i i think it's really important for her to recognize how far she's come and in addition to mm-hmm. figure out that the question she wanted answered wasn't necessarily why did Koito commit suicide, but why did... Because the it's heavily implied that they may have been considering either doing it together or doing it like considering it uh, simultaneously right uh through through visuals um whether it's alter eye or her herself in both cases right. they had suicidal ideation right so um i i i no offense koiko love the idea that it it literally could have been anyone right like as as Nidu says like she was a fake friend she she was there um and they both had a crush on the same guy and she just kind of existed but her existence was enough in that case for i to view things just slightly differently um and so the question she wanted answered wasn't necessarily Mm -hmm. why did koito commit suicide even though yes she does but also why did i want to uh and and what made me consider this um and in that regard, again, I think it only could have been I because Koito theoretically could have been anyone. Um, 
So it was a lot less about her and a lot more about yeah. I having a conversation with herself. And in that regard, I don't care about the fact that it took Parallel World to, to make that happen because it happened and the conversation <laughs> was like so fucking good that, you know, yeah. I, I just don't care. What? Hell yeah. <laughs> Whatever the means, whatever the means. Um, You know, I read a theory on Reddit recently that said Koito, Koito. Yeah, I I don't don't mind that theory either. (laughs) And that's what the... Above all other episodes gives like the most credence to that. Um, But yeah. Sure. I mean, I I don't think... I don't know. I also don't think that is the case. Doesn't matter. in terms of like interpreting interpreting the show that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but I can see it. Well, sure. Well, I guess, but beyond beyond whether or not it's plausible, like I'm not sure that I like the implication. I think it might weaken, like everything that you just said. If if you know because if koito is an imaginary friend that's like a a, a choice a quote unquote strength that i had to manufacture her whereas the alter i who ended up killing herself didn't make that choice and i like you like the fact that it was not something of her own doing it was random chance and luck that brought koito into her orbit at that time and well, because like that when- i think makes what like I one says to I two matter so much more and says like, you know, I'm not strong like you. Like, yes, like you are me. Like you I think can, when I'm <laughs> like you are, you could do this, the you know. Idea that Koito is not real. I'm also considering a lot of what happens in Wonder Egg priority by extension to not be real and and therefore like X I or like Alter I would be the the quote unquote like real I. Um so so yeah the real eye oh no yeah like i flipped it on its head like i I totally think that's a valid look um because then it would be like her thinking through and coming to the conclusion again that she was was strong this entire time and she was surrounded by love this entire time and she tells herself that through another version of herself um there, there's also like the. I see. We haven't I really see. talked about this, but there is also the weirdness of like the the one thing that is really interesting to me at the conclusion of this episode is not, oh, I'm gonna become a warrior of Eros or oh, I'm gonna fight the Akas or whatever, but it's um, it's like the whole like, who is I at the end after her eye is gouged out in the in the egg world and she wakes up in her foyer mm. like curled up and her what just one eye is crying um which interestingly enough is the opposite of the mm-hmm. eye the one eye that was crying when koito's tears drip on her um but uh in the first episode which i found just visually very interesting um but uh the mm. there mm-hmm. is this whole like uh to quote uh, another anime blogger person and a Twitter person like there is this whole like very Twin Peaks like Black Lodge conclusion to this where it's like okay which which eye is on the floor at the end of this episode um, and it does leave it like vague enough that mm. there's a lot open to interpretation there too 
Yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, right, um, we're actually done on Patreon questions. Uh, so thank you very much to uh, Kate and thank you very much to uh, Rackham for submitting those. Um, we're going to move on to talking points, but I'm going to be honest, I think the questions have thoroughly covered what I was going to talk about. Uh, I will therefore open the floor to you two to uh, did anyone talk about anything want, else. Did, it, like, did, we get any, did we get any questions I got qu- about questions. Because I don't want to just like launch into everything. I feel like I've explained um, everything enough in blog posts that I don't know if that's redundant to repeat. I just saw that people were like, are you going to talk about it? And uh, I don't know what you, I don't know what you want me to talk about. We haven't had any <laughs> questions explicitly. My response to that would be. <laughs> we, have, we, have, we haven't had any questions. Exp- okay, uh, so, had- so. Sorry, on. Oh, no, I was going to say, so um, just, you know, because people were asking, and for my benefit as well, it, it, like in terms of being summative, uh, about the show you know you were saying that episode 11 uh was a bit of a bookend uh florally speaking um could you like elaborate on on that like what so how like like lay out that functionally uh, for all so of us how that works a lot of the flowers that are used in the first three episodes of the series are revisited um, in that episode with really specific shifts in lighting to make them appear different colors, um, which is a mechanic that I said, uh, uh, I mentioned previously, um, that was introduced with Rika and her flower fields because in certain lightings, the lilies look white and then in other lighting, the lilies look orange and the meaning changes very drastically, uh, from, from kind of like a, a purity and innocence, a return to innocence, uh, which is why they're known as like a funeral, a really common funeral flower, um, to outright like uh, hatred. Mm. Uh, so, which is the orange version. So, um, mm. so it shows how just different, how the show plays with uh, lighting to tell uh, different things. And you see that in, the episode when Frill is in the garden, you see her in a lot of the same shots that I is in when she walks through the garden at night and everything is colored blue. Um, so that's where it, that's where it bookends a lot of the, uh, a lot of the flower language in a really coherent uh, way, especially if you've been paying attention to it for the entirety of the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kate Kate wants to know how it like uh in a broad sense like how understanding the flower language like impacted your view of like what was going on with the characters and the plot like you know did it uh did it reveal anything to you that might otherwise have have not I think been the as reason clear why I've come out of the gate as such a Sawaki hater is definitely because of the flower language. Um, so, like, my my opinion of him is mm-hmm. really, really bad because of the way that the series has framed him, both just visually uh, from the 
the way that he's often like half out of frame or kind of looming outside of Eye's door or um Steve Jones at ANN did a really good piece on the episode where he draws Eye and how that's really uncomfortable uncomfortably set up visually as well. Um but then the the flower language uh is that's really good. unkind to him and like definitely assumes the worst in the way it frames him. So if anything, I feel like the reason why I go so hard in on him is definitely because of the flower language. Um and the reason why I'm so harsh on him as a character is probably because of that. Also, the reason why I was so immediately kind of forgiving of Rika, despite the fact that she comes out of the game, <laughs> comes out of the game is just like this incredible piece of shit. <laughs> um, it is also because of the flower language in her episode. <laughs> I was like, wow, I like I really like her. Um, she obviously has issues uh, that I you know, some of which are kind of hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive, like, her behavior, even if you understand where it's coming from. But, um, but I think, uh, it sets her character up so well to have her, like, tumbling out of this hydrangea bush and, uh, the way that her field works, again, based on the way the lighting shifts across it, the way the flowers themselves change, I think is really cool because, she is a character who's had a lot of really obviously negative stuff happen to her and it's influenced the way that she it's influenced what she says even if she doesn't believe in what she says and the to have the sec this to have this like incredibly coherent mm. secondary visual language telling you who she actually is and how she desperately wants to reach out to people with like heartfelt emotion and make these connections is really poignant um so that's another example where i was like okay you know like this this girl you know uh she she has a lot of issues <laughs> but she's pretty great um that 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 would be another case of <laughs> where yeah uh, i was like wow this show really really is using choreography in a way that i definitely haven't seen since Naoko Yamada in terms of creating an entire other visual narrative that's running alongside like parallel to what you're seeing happen on screen excellent um I'm just going to throw one quick uh two cent opinion on this which is just to pile the and this is not me being dismissive at all but I basically my knowledge of flowers starts and ends at pretty I buy them for people that's really about all I know um and they don't know it. I smell I, nice. But the thing is, like, I think that when it comes to something, <laughs> not, true. well, it's true. <laughs> I, I think when it comes to something like this, uh, for the uninitiated like myself, um, I always would want it to be something that complements, but isn't mm-hmm. like strictly speaking necessary to understand everything. Like, it's not a pivotal linchpin. Otherwise, the show is completely incomprehensible. That's not the case here. Uh, so I'm going to point out that I. I still, of course, really enjoyed the show. I've still got a lot from it. But I like, as you've read about, there's additional layer on there for people who know. And, of course, uh, we do live in an internet interconnected world now where you can find this information out, <laughs> such as on your blog posts, as it turns out. Um, for which I, of course... We, uh, yeah, well, I was going to say, we rely on you in the way that you speak about relying on 
Kevin and the Sakuga blog people. <laughs> we rely on you for the floriography. <laughs> I just need a red telephone here that has your name on it so I can ring you every time I've got one. Like, <laughs> yeah. Every time like flower. Yeah, I've got a flower issue here. What is it going well, on? Well, a lot of, a lot of <laughs> Anyway. The uh, Camillas. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about the Camillas. Really sim- simply. Um, like uh, ancient, ancient Magus Bride and the use of poppies is like really good there too. Um, but it's not a complete secondary visual language mm. like it is here. Like it is in, I think, A Silent Voice mm. and Liz and the Bluebird. Uh, a silent voice in particular, though, because there, it's there are other visual tells like the there's like this narrative where there's X's over people's faces, and by X's I mean like a very blatant like cartoon X over a lot of people um, for a very specific mm. narrative reason, in a similar way that like Do Da 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 used color. Uh, with their background characters and there's one moment where they all become they all go from grayscale to color that's just so fucking good it's still that's like such a favorite, cool moment one of my that. favorite visual things i've ever seen hmm. in anime honestly yeah um but to have something like that to awesome. have a a visual language that like you don't need to have but adds a lot to understanding i think is definitely the best the best way to do it because then when you discover that it adds a whole other layer but it's also not necessary to getting yeah. the rest of the show and like i think uh, for the example of sawaki like i said i went harder on i think most anyone i know of um but he's not framed particularly well by the show visually even without that so i think that's also an important thing to to show i just yeah. listen <laughs> I want to yeah. point out that I was I was right there with you if <laughs> from the beginning on this on this podcast for maybe not from episode one but from a very early episode maybe from like episode three or four. It's like <laughs> this guy, he's very bad. Latent. <laughs> he's 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 one of the bad ones in like in a show. About, I was like you know it just really clicked with me for really early on. I guess because of. Uh, the the framing and uh the the seiyu performance just that like oh this is a show about you know victims and abusers and so like what they're doing is painting this portrait of one uh f- you know it a, a more holistic portrait of one it, while it would have been a the very... monster of the week is the bad ones you know you saying that just makes me think like at the outset if you thought yourself like oh it'll just turn out he's actually just a perfectly nice and regular normal guy i'm like that would have been very weird very weird what a, like yeah that. then like there's a lot of really like questionable intentionality behind like like the shot selection and stuff that you really have to wonder about why are they yeah. doing this <laughs> like you know because he's a creeper just saying yeah um <laughs> yeah. anyway um i'll just quickly uh emily if you would uh, like to um Shout yourself out, by the way, on where people can find your blog post. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, time. We're we're not done, my friend. There's there's more show to go. Okay. Oh, I I I thought it was just I thought it'd be relevant for just to pull down while we were talking about floral language. Oh, the floral language. You know what? You're right. Please uh, plug away. Actually, entirely coincidentally, um, my blog is uh, for me and faux blue wordpress.com which is a uh, actually a hanakimi reference um 
which is for you and Full Bloom. So, yeah. Uh, it has nothing to do with the fact that I write about flowers. It just so happened that way. But, yeah. It, it works. It works. Okay, uh, over to you, Doc. You had something else you wanted to bring up? Okay. Um, I have a couple of questions for you guys. That, oh, boy. You know, I'm just... I don't know. I would just like some help <laughs> thinking through what you guys thought was going on. Um, so when are, uh, uh, when are, when our young ladies clear the game? Um, and actually I think, man, maybe we should talk about the whole gacha element of this if they really kind of followed through on that as well as they could have. But, but when, when they clear the game, uh, and they see kind of the the suicide victim that they were explicitly trying to help kind of like appear for a moment and fade away. What what's happening there? N- not even just from a metaphysical point of view, but just thematically, you can't, like you can't what bring someone back to life. What's going on there? That's it. Is it really that obvious? I mean, I mean is that the it like it, it, be, it, it, it just seems like it's supposed to be more to it like, than that, right? The game right? was always rigged. I, I just I didn't see yeah. it. Um, I didn't see a world where they would ever be able to actually resurrect someone. Um, and you can't like you can't like sure undo, I agree, which is what makes the whole eye, which it's kind of what makes the whole like which eye is at the end of the final episode kind of interesting is like. Because you can't bring someone back to life, right? Like, part of that whole... Again, part of that whole conversation is... Yeah. You've already committed suicide, but I'd like you to know that you were loved the entire time. And I'll try to... Like, she she tells her, like, I'll try to bring you back because I'm sure your mom is lonely. That kind of thing. Um, but you still can't, like... Mm-hmm. You can't bring someone back from the dead. Like, like I, I honestly, I honestly it would, it would think trivialize it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no doubt. Hmm. I agree. Okay. Uh, the only thing I'll add as well is that, um, and I think uh, this is just me pointing this out, not wanting to go into more massively, but I think that the victim when they're brought back, it's they're brought back by Frill. But again, I. We'll have to wait for episode thirty to see if there's any meaning or reason behind. Because just because you see, like, um, I think it's with um, the start of like when Rika's when when Harif comes back, you see like these quick cuts of like video monitor screens, uh, which are the ones Frill is watching through, mm. which we of course see later on. Uh, but for what reason she's doing that, we'll find out later in June, I guess. Right. Stay tuned. So I think the the additional layer that I'm looking for thinking about it is perhaps not just that you can't bring someone back but like the the fact that that's so obviously true and yet the people that that pulled the strings and run this game will dangle that possibility in front of people that are hurting and then just this little ditty happens at the end where they see them for a moment and they go and like the game was always rigged you know that that you know yeah maybe just like to underscore that point okay because it's yeah i just was like watching it and trying just racking my brain thinking like what is like the significance of this but like i think 
I think that's probably it. Um, another question was, do you think... Uh, so Shadon specifically said, I think that I, in episode 12, understood the truth of who Sawaki was. Do you think that's the case? Both of you, do you, do you think like she f- admitted to herself and is like has the truth like internalized and integrated like Sawaki abuser digs me wants to be with me <laughs> in a certain kind of way um do you think she like has all that and she's the in, in, not in denial about that anymore? Because like, if I, if that's the case, I don't know. Like, what she's doing at the end is saying, "I want I want my mom to be happy and be with Sawaki. I want my mom to be happy and be with like this creep." Like, <laughs> like that doesn't seem. I think it's. I think it's that pretty, seems kind of weird. So I don't know if she accepts like <laughs> the truth of how he looks at her i think he does accept i think what she does accept is that he the person who he is is not the idealized version of him that Hmm. she fell in love with um but i think in terms of like what this means for her character i think it's incredibly in character for i to be like well I just want someone close to me that I care about to be happy and therefore I will I will accept this and and move on. Um and I think that's what happens with with her and her mom because I think part of the part of the negativity of that whole situation is that to some extent she was jealous of her mom for being that for being that uh for sure the like visible target of Saoki's affection so um regardless of what his motivations and intentions are uh i think the most important thing there is that she doesn't let it get in the way of seeing how much her mom loves her and the only way she can think to reciprocate it is to just be like okay Mm -hmm. Like, you have my blessing. Um, and that's why I think the conversation that, you know, Triangle Eye has with her mom on the couch is, is really good, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I think she does say yeah. that she's going to stop being selfish, right? And Or no, like, uh, forget the me that wants attention, I think, is the, the Funimation subtitles. And then, the, like, big, when she, like, the burst of energy comes out, she says, like, she wants to believe it's like, what is it that she wants to believe? Like that, like, that everything will be okay. <laughs> Which I mean, it self- seems like wonderfully naive, but like that's yeah, I mean, high Na- in, some ways. Says that in a lot of ways. Five, I think, is like, no, you're you're like actually really cool for being this way. Yeah. Despite the fact that most people are not this. Way. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I I'd be curious to see. If at all, if the final episode resolves um, Sawaki in the real world, because of course what we've seen here is the resolution of like Ai's internal conflicts, but what does that mean in terms of like how it affects her real life and her like relationship, which I, which I use strictly just in the neutral sense, like her relationship with him? Um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't even know if they necessarily even have time to address it, depending on how long, especially so much of it is up in the air. But yeah. I think that I probably wouldn't mind so much if he just simply didn't turn up again in the show at all. Um, mm. Because I think we've ultimately still got the resolution um, for uh, for her. And I think that if there was such like a scene where she's like, you know, says something to like, get the fuck out of my life or something like that. It, I think it would merely be the full stop on the sentence we've already been given, if you know what I mean. Where you get a little extra, but it wouldn't be necessary. I don't know. It depends on how it's pulled off. Yeah, but I, I think overall I'm still satisfied really with the conclusion because it's still he very much... anyway, but like in terms of emotional narrative, I don't really think he needs to mm. come back. I think he will, but I don't really think he needs to. No. Again, based on like logistically yeah. what I think um, the show is going to address, it's going to be a lot more like episode 11 than episode 12. That's why. Well, that's what I'm like predicting for episode 13. I can see yeah. it. Well, yeah, I can see well, that. I mean, I made that. I, I made that joke before about the Undertale past this run. But if you think I'm kidding, like one of the most consistent character elements of I has been her kindness to other people. That's something that other characters have noted. Mm-hmm. It's how she bonded with Momoi, for example, in uh, the episode five when Momoi is introduced. Um, it has generally been like her shining strength, um, and so. You have Frill, who has known nothing but, for the most part, uh, abuse, uh, violence, uh, you know, neglect, you name That's it. That's cruelty, man. Uh, so, so, what happens when these two forces meet? That again, I, and I, I joke, but it's true, it is the Undertale pacifist boss fight. It really is. Um, so I'd be curious to see like how that plays out. Because I, I always feel like I can map it in my head, like, you know, the kindness does win the day versus, like, what's happened to Frill and that Ice kindness will heal her, save her, whatever. Right. Well, I think it's like you said about the 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 kind of uh, comfort that the show gives to the potentially suicidal, that when you see it on paper and outline form, it may appear rote, but in execution, it was very heartfelt. I think it could be the same. I mean, I'm hopeful it'll be the same. Uh, it, even if like you like you said you see it all before you in outline form even if they do that like it could yeah. still be you know really kind of wonderful hopefully yeah. I, 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 I just hope that they don't spend time answering questions that people either don't ask or don't care about if you know what I mean <sighs> yeah. I mean as Emily's rightly point out and as I've said before um, why worry about it is we're just like we've had the emotional resolution and what I fear we're going to get is a mechanical one uh, where it's like, oh, we've wrapped this all up and things go back to normal now, and and I'm like, I, I don't. Well, what care. sucks is what like, what they're I, really what they're going to do is the actors are going to play a prominent role. You know what I mean? And it's going to be more of this sort of like humanizing of them and trying to like redeem Araka as like, oh, he was kind of a good one, like right, like even though he didn't do shit to help poor Frill, fucking stuck in a coffin for 14 years. Um, I, I, it, I just, to me, episode 11, like the, you know, had these two huge issues and the one, you know, with how the, it, it talked about the temptation of death, you know, I could, that's like very much like, I think a personal thing, like, does it upset you or are you cool with it? Um, but I really, I think maybe even worse is like it, it truly does make this whole story a conflict like about the Akas. Like these girls are just participating in the Akas story. 
You know what I mean? Like in their whole thing with Frill, their conflict, um, their grand plan to fight her. I think, and I just think that any they're just going to be featured too much. I think it's my work feeling. Depending on how, because like ultimately, and I think the show has done a varying job of this, but I think it's been coherent enough that ultimately the quote-unquote enemy is like strict societal rules that are imposed on these women and kind of profit Mm -hmm. off of the pain that they feel that is either ignored or written off as something that's not particularly important or um, you know considered wrong for whatever reason uh or unjustified when it is and in that case i do think there's a good blueprint and again i point to uh you know something like utena where you have one person taking on the system who's gone through her own who's already gone through her own emotional narrative for the most part and come out the other side and is now going to look at look at the system from a more holistic standpoint and be like okay and i as someone who's always kind of poked at the system by nature of who she is right like she's like to use something Mm -hmm. that's like very visually obvious and also something the show is like outright said but like she is a sunflower right uh in in every sense of and meaning of what Mm -hmm. that is and so she's kind of already poked at the system in terms of how she befriends people uh naturally and how she still despite everything kind of wants to believe the best in other people um I think is a it already positions her as an odd outlier to the system um and there is a world that in that final episode even if the Akas are featured prominently depending on how she takes down the system it could end up being really really good but yeah in terms of like the actual mechanics I don't care I hope so which it which is unfortunate because I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of stuff yeah. that has yet to be explained is just mechanics. But we'll see. Yep. We will find out in due course, no doubt. Uh, do you have anything else from our stock? How old do you think these young women are? Does it say for sure or do we know? My guess is fourteen the upper end of junior high, just pro- which is like freshman year of high school in the U.S. education system. So, like, yeah, like fourteen, fourteen, fifteen would be my guess. Well, let me just tell you something. Let me let me tell you all something. I didn't get to answer this question because I, I had to step out for a moment, but I'm going to answer it now. Uh, the relationship with I and and her mom. Um, as a a parent of a young girl who, uh, is about to turn 11, so not very far away from this age at all, 
show fucking scared the shit out of me. Okay. Like one of the most like tense watches I've had in a long time because, and I, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been, <laughs> I've been a teenager, but I can remember feeling that the, the parents and older people in my life wouldn't understand the certain pains I was going through. So I wouldn't talk to them. And that's me just talking as a dude. Like there's this whole other experiences that I have, you know, know nothing about that for, for a young woman. And like, it just, it's, it's very, it's terrifying. Like that your daughter might not like confide in you or your partner. I didn't tell my parents shit. And I was be, bullied to hell and back and I didn't I, tell my parents I didn't either. <laughs> I, I didn't either. Nope. I didn't either. And like, that's just what's terrifying, man. I like, like not just the worst case scenario, of course, d- depicted in, in the show, but like, you know, I mean, you're, you know, your children, people you love going through this like fucking needless pain, uh, mm-hmm. is, um, extremely difficult to like i'm in a such denial about it on one hand but on the other hand i'm like oh my god like it's coming um but really kind of swallowing the full like okay this is here and this is could happen is probably going to ha- like it's just a lot <laughs> it's a lot sorry. uh and yeah. um and it just in this show like brought it home and it just felt like the, the depiction of of these ladies and their pain just felt so fucking real and yeah they're 14 years old they're 14 years old and it's like it's just terrifying i mean it's just so scary and i i'm we're trying our fucking goddamned best to like cultivate an environment at home that is like open and very trusting uh communication lines very important um all that kind of thing and my partner is much better at all that than me thank god that she is here helping with this <laughs> but like but still i mean it's just yeah it is a deep like this show is like you know uh i i know for for many people like they sort of see their personal experiences in it right and and that's how it sort of there's this existential weight, but like for me, it's like, it's just totally different. Like I'm, you know, I, like the mom, (laughs) like, oh, it's mom. It's like, (laughs) I, it's me. Terrible. Hey dog, if I, for what it's worth, like the fact that you're cognizant of it and thinking about it alone puts you probably well beyond. I mean, I I guess, I guess I'm sure everybody worries about their kids, you know, but like, yeah, hey. I don't know. I just like you. Just pray that you get through it without permanent scars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll be fine, man. I'm sure you will. All right. Uh, do any of us have anything else we want to add about the show? Any other talking points? Anything else to discuss? Should we talk about it as a whole, like the whole kitten caboodle? Oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, okay, we shall then. We shall. And I'm just going to basically say very quickly this. Not a lot of shows emotionally affect me. This one, like, did multiple times, which shocks me a little bit. Like, episode seven, 
I've had it on record, and I'll repeat again very briefly. I am estranged from my mother. Like, so the whole thing with Rika's mother, like, really hit me quite hard. Um, everything else about the whole, like, discussion of suicide, like, I've been through, before, like, you know, been through suicidation in the past. Like, the thing that happened at the end of episode 12 and how I just, I honestly felt, like, shook by how finally I felt like, hey, this is a message that I can get behind, or at least a message I've heard before. Um, it, I just wish two things. One of which is, and this actually kind of overrides the second is i really really wish this show was made in a universe where it was allowed to be the thing it needed to be in terms of both its length its scope and also its production without mm. actively fucking harming people like i feel like again this this show could have been 24 episodes long which would have given ample time for it to give more like times of the other three girls not just i and also properly flesh out the thrill stuff into something that doesn't feel like it was shoe on in the last second and also has problematic implications and never mind the fictional characters never mind fictional people it would have given the very real people who made this show the time the support the resources they need to make it in a way that didn't result in one of them going to hospital and god knows what else happened otherwise so i applaud the show for its ambition i applaud the show for getting these messages across that are still very relevant and need to be put out there like, i'm glad it's tackling this this stuff but for god's sake can we not fucking have it happen in such a way where we literally put a guy in hospital and made it to fit an archaic 12 episode format that doesn't give it the time it actually needs to truly properly do this material justice Ugh, fuck's sake I mean, we talked more about, like, alternate timelines in this show. How about the alternate yeah. timeline where this was made and it wasn't, you know, literally harming people? Fucking hell. Um, but no, if I had to, if I had to put it down to brass tacks, I think this show is going to be probably a high watermark for me for this year, even with its flaws, even with its production issues. Um, and I can, I think I can readily hold both of those through my head. Like, show's great, just made in an awful way, basically. That's my feeling on it. But I'll also add that uh, that's my opinion, and Lord knows this show is going to be polarizing. Has been polarizing as is, although on some fronts I don't get, like, oh, Sawaki's so really innocent. Like, I, miss me I can't. Miss I me can't. That. It's miss so me crazy. With that, miss, me with, miss me with that shit. You know, honestly. Oof. But, like, I, again, will speak to more to people who've, like, been through suicidal ideation who, uh, in their own ways, like, you know, or even just the fact that, you know, I'm a guy. And this is a show about women and women's pain specifically. You know, people will have very different experiences. And that's all valid. Except for the Sawaki shit. You're fucking wrong. All right, I'm done. Over to you. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I, that's what I was going to say, is, uh, is why don't you go? I think for what it tries to do, it's incredibly ambitious. I think for similarly to how it was overly ambitious with production i think it was a bit overly ambitious with trying to say what it wanted to say um within the amount of time they did know they had uh i think there are a few things that could have been handled a lot better with a little more clarity uh, in terms of maybe introducing them sooner or um, making mm. it slightly more cohesive uh, with the, like, what it is, I guess, telling 
instead of showing his... Sorry, in my opinion, there's actually nothing wrong with, like, telling something uh, if you have other things that are showing and also are making it so that it's cohesive throughout the entire mm-hmm. thing. I do think the show is kind of spotty in that regard in some points, specifically with trying to explain certain mechanics of the world. Uh, and that could also be that I just personally don't care about them and I'm always going to gravitate more towards emotional narratives. There are a lot of things that I think this show really gets right about suicide and about suicidal ideation to stuff I already mentioned previously with like how it can be like literally nothing like dividing the decision to go through with it or not um like it can be so stupid Mm. like to my point the thing that kept me from killing myself was getting spine flu like (laughs) that that's just so bizarre right like you'd think it would push you in the other direction actually um to make like a really dark joke that i actually shouldn't have uh (laughs) like um you know, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of other things it gets right, like the, um, treatment of, of Kaoru, I thought was, like, really great visually, emotionally, he was awesome, it's really mm. rare that I get to see anime actually treat, like, a, a trans character well, um, and, and Kaoru comes off as just this incredibly badass boy that you want to root for the entire time um that that entire episode is actually just like yeah good um but so like there's there's a lot of stuff i think it gets right in terms of that there's a lot of stuff i think it gets right in terms of the how quickly your emotion can change and how many emotions are involved when someone close to you dies uh or or kills themselves because there's just so much uncertainty one thing i think this show kind of gets is also like uh, alongside the confusion kind of like an an anger like a latent anger that's really great like when um when i uh is in rika's first like the first time she goes to rika's world and she is sees these two women who are i think this entire wonder killer could have been executed better but like the two girls who kill themselves to be with their idol um and she she processes her own anger through this idea of like why didn't you talk to me like i am actually pissed that you didn't confide in me because then i could have done something about it and I think that happens with all deaths. I think there's this kind of anger, mm-hmm. whether it be at the person for leaving you or uh, at the world for taking someone from you, um, that I think this show really gets as well, at least in that moment. Like, I actually really appreciated that. Like, the the fact that, like, it's okay to be, it's okay to be angry about this, you know? Like, it's okay to be fucking pissed. Um, yeah. I liked that a lot. I liked the way it handled a lot of stuff. I loved the conclusion of of eyes emotional narrative and i thought that was really good and and like i said i think if you had been paying attention to what the show was telling you visually what the show was telling you with the wonder killers and that setup um this like i said this episode reminded me a lot of episode two with minami and in that way i think the show uh as a 
as a whole from episodes one to 12 is very coherent and conclusive. And I think regardless of what happens with episode 13, I initially tweeted that I wasn't sure what to make of this episode. And I've actually like changed my mind almost completely on that after watching it again. Um, I think that regardless of what happens to episode 13, I'll be able to take these 12 episodes and be like flawed, but very good, you know? Um, and I really appreciate my time with it. Mm, yeah. Yep. Um, no, so for me, like, I think like I'll probably <laughs> just another saying, uh, what you both have said in, in a lot of ways that like the show, you know, I think I want to compartmentalize, um, I'm, I'm going to do the privilege thing, right. And compartmentalize, uh, the, the circumstances surrounding its creation, which we can all say like, they are bad. They should not exist. The organizations working to change them, I think are worth supporting and we should, uh, you know, do what we can and, and wish them well so that things can be changed in this regard. So setting that aside, right, and just kind of looking at the art itself. Um, I think as, like, the the more I'm probably removed from it, like, I think the, the more fondly that I'll look back on it, like, as more time passes, because, you know, I so much anime, I think, is, like, very safe. And... This show, especially for like a first time effort from so many people, um, is like just uh, remarkable in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, I've talked about my my issues with different parts of it today and on other days, but um, boy, um, I just I think appreciate its like ambitiousness, as you put it, Emily. It's audaciousness to tackle the kinds of things that it wants to tackle and 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 being like as you said coherent and cohesive thematically uh throughout the show it not every step lands but i think its heart is in the right place on m most of the time um specifically like you you know shouted out Kaoru. i mean i thought that episode 10 was it was um i i'm on record as being like a real a big fan of what was going on there um and episode seven is incredible um episode two as well i think you're spot on with how important the wonder killer you know sequences are there in really like showing like the full breadth of like what the show is trying to get across with the whole wonder killer deal mechanic, whatever. Um, and you know, I mean, just as like a show, regardless of like the, you know, metaphysics and, and the mechanics of its universe, a show that's just about like the pain of young women and, the way that both institutions and individuals prey on that pain and profit from it um, in plain sight 
was like portrayed with and it was just such like authentic way uh at least a more authentic than i can remember seeing an anime over the course of a whole show like there may have been episodes or arcs or whatever that like touched on certain elements of it this is the way it was done here like so kind of explicitly rather than symbolically i think is commendable and i mean there's a lot to commend the show for um and like I said, I think I'm going to, as time goes on, kind of um, think about like the individual faults and nitpicks uh, less and think more about the highs, which I think were very, very high for this show. Um, and artistically, I mean, you know, I haven't even really talked too much about like the the way the show looks and moves. I mean, it's beautiful. Um and again, setting aside the conditions which it was made, like, you know, it looks incredible. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think, like you said, Shadon, I, this will definitely be in, in the discussion when we are talking about 2021, you know, best shows and best stuff we watched. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think that, Regardless of what happens in June, I think what we got now, very memorable and overall very good, and is, you know, I, I hope that the director gets another shot and that the production committee, well, <laughs> that the, they, this, they just this figure all the shit out. Really the <laughs> That's what I was trying to say at the beginning of the thing. Like, the production committee is, I guess, kind of responsible for bad messaging. But in this case, it's kind of more on the director and their team for being like, we want to keep it really, really small, mm. which, like, I think to a lot of extents it's okay. good. That's why I brought up in the in the very beginning. Not that there isn't a massive problem with the whole mm -hmm. industry and production committees, because there definitely is. It just so happens in this case that uh, Wonder Egg Priority was actually more of an outlier. I just want to throw that out there just in case. Okay. Of, like, well, th yeah, that's right. No, thank you. Well, thank you. Thank right. you for the correction. Cause that's, that is important. So yeah, no, I, I hope that like that what has happened can be learned from in terms of, of course, like the health of animators and people working on it, producers, all them. But in addition to all that, you know, I hope that like that the director takes another crack and makes something else that's bold while learning from what what didn't go so well here in terms of like storytelling and planning. That they, they get to make something else, you know, whether or not it's dealing with the same theme, um, just get another crack at it. Cause like, I mean, I think that like this is definitely someone who I'm now very interested to see what the next thing is that they're going to make um, and what it has to say. Uh, we, um, This is totally apropos of nothing that's just been said. And <laughs> this may have been in bad faith, I don't know. But very early on in the chat, someone asked, Wonder Egg priority, colon, homophobic or no? <laughs> and I think, like... 
I, I feel like no, <laughs> just to get on record and answer that question. Do you agree? Do you, or do you I'm trying to think as to how it would come across, and I guess it's because I and Koito weren't in, like, initially, and, and I'll say this, initially I thought mm-hmm. it was going to come out that I had a crush on Koito, and that was, like, the the reasoning behind, like, their, their friction. Mm. Um but I kind of like the way it, mm-hmm. it came out better. I guess, though, the the question, if you are asking it in good faith, would be how, if, like, uh, Momoi's entire arc was handled, and then also how, um, how, like, I... It was kind of hinted at possibly I having a crush on Koido, but that didn't turn out to be the case. I don't know. I don't really find the show mm-hmm. particularly problematic in that way, though. No, I mean, uh, for me, I we had that long discussion about Momoe's arc in our previous episode, so I'll not restate any of that here. Uh, beyond saying that the questions I had at the end of that have not yet been answered, but I'm going to leave it at the wayside. I'm not going to dwell on it. Uh, the only thing I'll note um, is, and I'm going to bring this up briefly because I don't think it really ultimately matters, but I, there was potentially an implication of one of the acts. I don't remember which one, like, um, Frill uses the word husband. Now, for me personally, oh. I wouldn't trust that. And I don't think there's any implication about... Um, the being gay or bi beyond that uh, i think it may have just been her putting a jab at him really uh because otherwise the implication of that is that if you again buy into my theory that i said before about oh uh frill is their creation then it turns out it's gay men who did that and that's rough jesus fucking christ no thank you i don't like that at all uh so no the answer is no i, I don't believe it is um, I never. They they weren't least, coded that way at all. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I is I is coded. As I, I didn't think so. No, I, I from from the first episode mm-hmm. onward. But um, yeah. But uh, definitely. In yeah. terms of like and, actual framing, yeah, I, the Akas are not framed that way at all. Actually. No, it's it's a, it's a barb. I think that Frill uses rather than it being a statement of fact. I thought she was referring to. How she felt about her own relationship with Akka. No, I f- she was saying something like, "Do you think your husband's like been cheating on you?" No, she was saying, "Yeah, she was asking him a hypothetical question, like, who do you hate more? Do you hate your husband for cheating or the woman who seduced him?" I think it totally applies to Frill. Akka cheating on Frill, who Frill wants to spend all her time pleasing the Akkas, right? Maybe that's what. Um, maybe, maybe then, yeah. Uh, but- <laughs> But either way, either way that you slice it, I don't think it applies. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can move on from that then. Um, okay. Uh, so, should we should we rate Shadon? Yes, we should. Um, for this particular block of episodes, I'm not going to rate the show as a whole because I'm going to save that for when we've watched episode okay. 13 so I can give it the full, full picture. But for this particular block of episodes, I am going to give it... I'm trying. Uh, this is more a question. Me trying Deep to think thinking. of a funny, witty thing to say to go <laughs> along, in, which is the which is the more difficult element here. Um, I am going to go with four out of five monochrome birthday cakes because Frill's birthday cake is monochrome when we see it in uh, on Aka's table at the very start. Uh, 
most of my like docking of points here comes from episode 11 to be quite honest for everything i've said uh episode 12 is definitely the stronger of the two and is certainly a good note to finish on i have nothing else to add beyond what i've already said see me in june for the, my final assessment yo <laughs> um i'll go four and a quarter you know floating heads powered by paint tubes uh, out of five how about you, you know the paint colors are the same as the one i use as in her thing um uh, oh my goodness snap, snap. Uh, i mean i also give it a four out of five because i'd say three out of five for the for episode 11 and five out of five for the final episode so uh um mm. basically yeah. ah you're you're only operating on the five point scale we, we what we, is rating? We go, I go more granular with the, the quarter stars. <laughs> They're uh, arbitrary. Uh, it's arbitrary fun. Reasons. It's just fun. Nature. And the show was good. There we go. 12, 12 <laughs> out of 10. Um, Sold it. Right. To the bar. Yes. yes. Um, okay. So I guess now is the, the time. Uh, where we transition from briefly from Wonder Egg uh, to uh, the Watery Death Show Hall of Fame. And for a brief moment, yep. uh, our lovely guest Emily will be a, a disembodied voice rather than on camera due to my own. Sorry to, sorry to excommunicate uh, Due to my own negligence. But uh, after a brief musical sting, uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't even know what the music is. I'm just dancing because I feel like it. It's Friday night, you know. I'm gonna dance. Sod it. Oh look, well, they can sort of see you, uh, Emily. I don't. Know. This is uh, turned out very strange here, <laughs> but but it's fine. Oh, it's fine. God. You, you've made her. You've made her wrong wall. <laughs> it's like a sonic speed when it glitches out. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. We're gonna power through it. Um, all right, so okay. the Watery Death Show Hall of Fame. Uh, what is it, Shadon? Uh, basically, we pick uh, an anime or a scene for an anime or something along those lines uh, that we feel is worthy of remembrance and notability because it's cool, awesome, personal, you name it. Yes, so we've had in the past uh, Thorkel. We've had the Gunbuster robot pose. We've had uh, Macross Quarter surfing. Uh and the last stream of thought, we had the uh, crucifix uh, minigun carried by Nicholas D. Wolfwood from Trigun. Shadon, this week is your pick. What's uh, What are you going to induct into the Hall of Fame this week? Uh, it's going to be the Bubblegum Crisis episode, Revenge Road. Ooh. Yes. BGC. Yes. All right. Why is this Hall of Fame worthy? Yes. Tell us. Um, because this is probably more broadly just bubblegum crisis in general. It's something I watched recently, and we don't get stuff like that anymore, which makes me sad. We don't get stuff that is unambiguously a passion project made by people who have a love for the uh, like the culture they've consumed in such a way that it becomes apparent. Like there are references everywhere. Like the main character was named Pris, as in Pris from Blade Runner so on and so forth. Much of the music is flat out copied, if not plagiarized, from songs of the 80s. Um, you know, it wears its influences on its sleeve, but it, to me, came across as one of those things that was made because the people who were making it loved 
that kind of fiction, those kind of worlds, that kind of cyberpunk aspect. But they did their own thing as well. They had likable female characters, you know, you had robot exosuits. And yes, it was cancelled prematurely uh, because of reasons that I'm currently not privy to off the top of my head. Uh, it was tragically cut short. But here's the thing, right? Revenge Road is the fourth episode, and it is, to me, an exemplar of what this show could have been if it had been allowed to have its full run. Um, and it's basically just a pulpy revenge story where, you know, there's a guy who's out for revenge and he's got suits up like Cybercar that's going to make him do this, you know, and all that. Uh, but he's really hurting his sister who's, uh, you know, he brings along for the ride with him. And then, of course, you've got the car as metaphor for things going out of control, running away, etc, etc. Um, and yet the, the people he's trying to get revenge on are just a gang of bikers. We don't even, like, get any of them named. Uh, it is an episode with a story that's completely divorced from like the overall story of the boomers. Yes. The villains in the show are known as boomers, which I will never not find funny. (laughs) Um, it's very good. Yeah. And yeah, I, I am just generally of the opinion that bubble and crisis is awesome. And I wish there was more of it. Um, in the sense that I wish they'd been able to fulfill their original vision for it and not do the uh, supposedly awful remakes they did, which I don't intend to watch. Uh, but revenge road to me is the exemplar episode of that entire block of eight. Um, and I would like in the Hall of Fame some because it is uh, like the high watermark of a profound passion project from the 80s and it makes me respect old anime even more. There you go. That's my case. Uh, I second it. I do not veto it. This episode belongs in the Hall of Fame. Bubblegum Crisis is great. I have, Unfortunately, I've only seen the remake that you speak of and it was fine, but oh, I have not... I own, as I said... At some point on the podcast before, I own BGC, the original the Anime Go DVD set. Just haven't watched it. Have to be in the mood for like eight consecutive 80s anime music videos. Which when I say it out loud, it's like, how can you not be in the mood for that ever? So maybe I should just watch this <laughs> immediately. Yeah, I was, I was about to say. Okay. Um, but yeah. Uh, a worthy addition to our Hall of Fame. Um, and now Emily is back in full view. Scary. <laughs> uh, hello. Yes. Uh, no, not scary. You, you have- um, I think that that is going to, that's going to do it, uh, for the show. We've made it through talking about, uh, WEP 11 and 12 and the show as a whole answered patron questions, shouted out a creative, did a hall of fame. I think that's an episode. So, uh, Yo. Emily, thank you so much, as always. Thank you for thank you. for hanging out with us, for talking anime, and for being such a cool gal and being willing I'm to come cool, on so often. But yes, thank yes, you. thank you, thank you. You be, you be, you be cool. Lies, lies. You be cool and knowledgeable, <laughs> and just uh, a real joy to have on the pod. So, thank you. Um, Indeed, been a pleasure. Thank you, Emily. Shadon, thank you. Um, where i did what you usually do (laughs) well listen you were great and don't let anybody i don't care i don't care what reddit says you're great you're great no (laughs) (laughs) oh what reddit reddit's been been talking smack about me or is it definitely it reddit reddit said to meet it behind the schoolhouse after school today so after this podcast you have a date with destiny Nah, I've got more important things to do. Anyway, uh, but yeah, um, uh, it's been a real pleasure talking about this show. It's, um, I mean, it's 
always one of those things where I sometimes feel nervous about shows like this because I feel that they can be challenging to tackle. And also because I feel nervous. Like, I come from the perspective of being a dude who's, again, whiter than white, uh, <laughs> who is cishet. And, you know, we it com- traffic's in a lot of topics that, again, I feel will be better covered by people for who for lack of a better phrase, have skin in the game because they can offer a much more nuanced insight than I can. And I would obviously again invite people to do that. Seek out the perspective of LG plus people. Seek out the perspective of women on this show. Um, don't let uh, me and Doc be the sole perspectives that you uh, take on board or like listen to as part of looking at this show. Uh, but of course, also thank you to everyone who's listened and joined us, be you uh, patrons, uh, be you freebies, uh, you name it. Thank you very much for all your engagement uh, and your commentary. Um, and yeah, I will leave it there. Uh, rum is awaiting me nice. soon, I think. It's going to be a night, that's for sure. <laughs> well, Shadan, if people wanted to, you know, come at you about your Wonder Egg opinions or other ones, how would they do that? Don't at me. Okay. All right, no, Emily. I'm no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You could you you could find me at Shade and Sense and on Swiss. So coming at me with stuff, I guess, kind of, um, you know, as long as it's in good faith, I'm a uh, I'm game. Uh, Emily, where can people find your work and speak to uh, you on the internet? If you want to follow my anime slash personal slash K-pop now account, uh, it's at AJ the Fourth. <laughs> If you're at all interested in electronic sports, uh, mainly League of Legends, my work account is at League of Emily, and I'll be on the LCS broadcast tomorrow, so that'll be fun. Go check it out. Very, very nice. Uh, You can, of course, follow me at The Subtle Doctor on Twitter. Um, if you uh, would like to hear myself and Anime News Network's own James Beckett talk about various medias, uh, you can follow right now. You just follow him at Kick the Beckett, and you should just follow him anyway because he's a cool guy. Um, at some point, we're going to get a separate Twitter account for that podcast um, soon-ish, but but you'll. You'll hear about that when, when we do for now. It's just through James's account and my retweets. But uh but yeah, we've we've talked about Oh uh uh one sorry about Oh, that. I was just we've uh we talked about Enter the Dragon, uh Bruce Lee uh seventy two movie. Uh that is a seminal movie for both of us. Um that episode's out. We recorded an episode on the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is coming out soon. And tomorrow we are recording uh, an episode on the MonsterVerse, the Hollywood oh, Godzilla, God. Kaiju, yeah. Kong, etc. movies. Nice. After I watched GVK tonight, I have been re-watching those other movies throughout the week. And tonight I, I feast upon the new one. I'm very excited to talk about these movies. I have a lot of fondness for them. I think they're super fun. Uh, so look out for that. Um, what were you going to say, Shadon? Uh, I'll add one final thing. If you're short on content this weekend, uh, I will be starting streaming again on Sunday. Uh, I will be doing a bonus Final Fantasy X stream where I will fight every single super boss. I've done all the necessary preparation for it. It's going to be a killing spree. Uh, Get Yep, that starts at 7 o'clock British Standard Time Sunday. uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Warrior Desho. Come join me as I fight giant slugs. 
bad doorman or door women rather uh, and someone who takes a really really long smoke break it'll all make sense in context i'm being circumspect but yeah all the super bosses every single one check it out uh, and as we said earlier, uh, you can follow us on Patreon to get uh, this kind of content early or exclusively. Uh, the link will be in, you know, the YouTube uh, description or the show notes in your podcatcher, however you're consuming this. You can follow us on Twitter at What Are We Just Show and see when uh, the newest publicly uh, free and accessible episodes come out. Um, and you can, of course, correspond with us that way through our personal Twitters or through Gmail, waterweedeshow, W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U at gmail.com. Um, give us a rating, a review, share, follow, like, subscribe, all the business, uh, click the buttons, give us engagement, etc., etc. Thank you very much for listening, everyone out there. Uh, follow Emily's blog, uh, Watch it on Superboss stream. Um, enjoy Godzilla versus Kong and embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. <laughs>